Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. How do you pass up the opportunity to spit blood in Joan Baez's face? Face, face, face. Having a bunch of 40 year old boy podcast, folks. It's uh, uh, look, we can't deny it. There's an elephant in this room, and uh, and probably I shouldn't podcast with an elephant in the room. I gotta lie to you because the smell is awful. Holy god, you would not believe the stench, even though they're cute. You ever see an elephant on Twitter rampaging? Everybody's like, Oh, I love him. Please realize that he smells like god shit out a giant thing with a trunk on it. I mean, that's all an elephant stinks like because they roll around in filth all day long. They're like a dog, but without fur. Uh, well, I guess an elephant's not really like a dog in the sense that if you let it loose in Calcutta, it will stomp people to death in the streets. Uh, I'm sure a dog wishes he could. Oh, my God, don't tell me that every dog in the world doesn't have delusions of grandeur of stomping people to death in the streets of Calcutta. You know every dog has done that at one point. They've thought to themselves, well, I could lie for a nap here in the sun, probably play with the ball a little bit. Maybe I'll catch the Frisbee if human wants to, and then I'll eat and eat and eat, and oh, but I'll tell you what, if somebody leaves that gate open, if just one second that gate is open, I'm sprinting into the night and stomping people in the streets of Calcutta to death. Oh, I cannot wait. Look at your dog right now. Look at him. He looks innocent, doesn't he? He looks like he's just holding down the fort, having a good time. He looks at you like you're a master and you're petting him and he just wants to get like, scritches and all that fun stuff. But that doggo wants to fucking murder Indians. You know he does. He wants to go to Pakistan and kill them as well. That guy, he hates the whole, he hates all, the, all, of, all of Asia. That dog hates all of Asia. Bombay, any other Indian city that I could possibly think of that I can't think of right now. Don't bring home Indian food. It just taunts your dog. He's just thinking to himself, holy fuck, if I was an elephant, I would not only eat this food, but I would stop you to death for eating the culture of the food of the pure food of the culture of the people that I want to murder. Uh, culture of the food. Why are you eating the culture of the food, folks? I should slow down. That's, you know, that's, I'm going to make that resolution right now. Year 11 of this podcast, and it is year 11, as I've mentioned, we're past a decade. We're clicking past a decade now, and I know I'm still talking, you're still listening, and all of us think collectively there's a thought bubble amongst all of us right now, and and the word in it is, why? Why is this still happening? Why won't he shut up? After 10 years, you would think he would have nothing else to say. Well, I've been waiting 10 years to spring that dogs want to murder Indians nugget on you. You've been waiting for that to come along. You've been thinking to yourself, well, Indians and Pakistanis, they're, you know, they're natural enemies of one another. However, you do not realize that the, the, the good old bloodhound was the enemy of both of them, and he cannot wait to get over there. That would be a terrible three-way war. The Indians, the Pakistanis, and the doggos. Oh, the doggos sail over in their doggo boats. Um, oh, a doggo submarine. Oh, my God. How bad's a dog submarine smell? Ooh, jeez. How bad? You know what? Not as bad as an elephant submarine. I'll tell you this. If you have some elephants on a submarine, oh, oh, oh man. That is not a fucking olfactory treat. Uh, all right. So here we are, folks. We're talking this. And, and look, has it changed at all? You'd think this show would have grown. It would have moved past talking about olfactory treats and doggos murdering Pakistanis. But no, that's what we have. That's what this show has become. Uh, no, fuck that. That's what the show always was. This show at its, at its heart 
at the root of this show, from the first episode on, has always been about doggos murdering Pakistanis uh, and Indians. I don't know why they're getting a pass in this new anecdote. Uh, so, folks, we're here. We're excited. We're talking. And, and you can probably hear the air conditioning humming away in the background here in my humble abode because uh, we're doing this in the middle of a heat wave. And, oh, isn't that a metaphor? Uh, <laughs> it means that year 11 is going to be hot, hot, hot in that I'll be having Buster Poindexter host half the shows. Um, wouldn't that be terrible? How terrible is he at a podcast? He just, he might not go up. He might not go up. He get hot, hot, hot. I had to pull my head away from the microphone to do that for you. I hope it didn't hurt your ears. I hope it didn't burst through your iPod vaginas and play uh, timpani on your eardrums. Your, your, uh, you can play timpani on your eardrums, right, can't you? Let's talk about ears for a second, folks. Let's talk about damage. Let's talk about things that we need to go ahead and throttle down and we need to get looked at by a doctor. Let's talk about the fact that we're old now. And I mean we. I'm, that's right. I'm including you guys with me. We're all olding, uh, olding. We're all aging together. Uh, <clears throat> folks, I have tinnitus. I can't lie to you. Uh, maybe that's one of the reasons I shout at you guys. Although I will tell you this, I can't hear myself in the earbuds again. I, I, I've had two weeks. You would have thought I would have looked into this. I would have done some sort of technical work, but dudes, a tornado hit my fucking life in the last two weeks and I'll get into it. I'll tell you about that in a, in a coming, uh, in the coming moments. As soon as we can settle out this whole big elephants versus dogs versus, versus Indians and Pakistanis, the thing that we've been dealing with from the beginning of the goddamn show. Look, let's, we need a peace accord. Let's get the elephants to sit down with the dogs first. Uh, well, no, that's dangerous because that's a couple of animals in a room. They might not only will they come up with a truce, they might come up with a fucking pact where they, they join forces. Oh, then the elephants ride. Oh, my God. The doggos ride the elephants into war with Indians and Pakistanis. And those people don't stand a fucking chance. Dude, if you sent elephants charging in, into India, like into Bombay, and there's people on the streets of Calcutta and they're just waiting to get stomped. And then doggos are being launched off their back with their ravenous mouths and just biting the fuck out of their, their Indian cathoid arteries, cathoid arteries. I don't know what the fuck it was. I couldn't even think about it at the second. They're going for their neck. That's their, they're going for the fucking neck, Roughnecks. And, and that's the thing. is, you name a dog Roughneck, you're like, oh, that's a cool, cute dog name. And then he rides an elephant into Calcutta and he tears out the throats of some fucking ladies and he stains their sorry prince. You're going to be totally fucking mad. Uh, I got to stop getting distracted by doggos and elephants murdering Indians and Pakistanis. That's not, the, that's not what I want this show to be. That's not what I want. That's not the message of year 11. It's a message of healing. It's a message of getting together. It's a message of becoming one. Let's become one. Let's meld. Although I got to admit, the idea of elephants with doggos on their back launching them like fucking missiles into the crowd and just tear people apart, that's, that looks pretty fucking good. And it doesn't have to be Indians and Pakistanis. That's just the preferred enemy of the elephant and the doggo. But, I mean, if we could somehow develop elephants and doggos into a weapon where we sent them on, into, into some other country that we hate, let's not hate any countries. Let's not hate anybody. You know what? I'm here to preach an anti-war message. That's what Year 11's about. I'm turning this all the fuck around. Let's kumbaya the fuck out of this world and hold hands and stare at one another and be happy. Let's be happy. You know what? I want to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. I'd like to buy the world a Coke. Well, fuck that. I want to give the world a Coke. Fuck you, Coke. You're rich. Give the world a Coke. Nobody wants to buy the world a Coke. Now that I think about it, what a fucking clandestine advertising campaign that was. Or did they say give the world a Coke? I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. I'd like to buy the world a Coke. Yeah, it's buy. It's buy, right? It's not give. I'd like to give the world. Nobody wants to give anybody anything, you capitalist fucks. They don't want to buy the world a Coke. Why don't you just give the world a Coke? You've got so much fucking Coke. I go to Walgreens, there's Coke everywhere. I, you ever think about that? Have you ever really thought about commerce? Have you ever really gone into a store and just went, Jesus fucking Christ, in this store alone, there's 45 cans of chunky soup. It's one store. In one store, there's 45 cans of chunky soup varieties, different varieties. Got to be even more. Let's say that there's eight varieties and there's eight cans. There's 64 cans of, of fucking chunky soup at my Ralph's. My Ralph's, one Ralph's. Go to the other Ralph's, there's another 60. Go to another house. How much fucking chunky soup does the world need to produce? 
And how many how much chunky soup are people buying? That's a lot of goddamn soup. Any soup. You know what? The fucking this world is just it's just choking to death on capitalism and commerce. And I don't mean to be that guy. And I'm I'm all for making money. But Jesus, when you really take into fucking account the stuff that they sell, if you go to a supermarket, as I I think I've talked about it on the show before, and if I hadn't, I've certainly talked about it out loud on the street corner when I'm standing on a, a milk cart crate preaching to the masses. I don't know if you know that. I go swaggered when I'm not doing this fucking show. The other six days a week. That's why they, that's why Gio wants me to live stream. He's like, why are you spending these other six days a week standing on a milk crate shouting at disinterested strangers? when you could try to make some money off it by doing a live stream and playing fucking Galaga. And I'm like, you know what? That sounds like a good plan. And it gets me out of the street where people just give me a scansing looks as I talk about embracing their true and one savior and then training the elephants to launch dogs into the crowd. Uh, nobody wants that thing. Nobody wants that to happen. But yet, I still preach it. I make sure it happens. So anyway, while I'm out there shouting at people and I'm talking about commerce and capitalism, um, I'm astonished when I go into a store. And again, it's, it's a store... I used to do this all the time when I would be traveling on the road and I'd be doing stand-up and I would go to a certain city and you could hear a song on the radio when I left LA and then you'd hear the same song in Kansas City on on the radio in a cab or a fucking whatever the fuck I took back then. And it was it was crazy to me that the the blanket and I mean I guess I should feel the same way about me because my voice is right now in, in Saudi Arabia and England and you know, I know there's like 25 countries that listen to me every week and that's fucking bananas. And I'm I'm nuts. I mean, at least Britney Spears is telling you about hitting her one more time. I'm telling you about killing Pakistanis with animals and dogs. Uh, not that dogs aren't animals. Uh, elephants and dogs. Uh, elephants and dogs. That sounds like a children's book, right? Until you add my chapter. And then everybody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why can't elephants and dogs get along and be happy and find the children? Well, they can. Just don't get them near Asia. Uh, that's uh, right. Asia is where India is. I don't want to be that. Also, I've exposed myself as a guy who doesn't know continents. Uh, I don't want to be the guy. I don't, you know what I am? You know what a guy who doesn't know continents is? He's tr- he's truly incontinent. That guy. He's that's a guy who's incontinent because he just shits words all over himself and he doesn't know where fucking India is. Fuck that guy. Uh, and by that guy, perhaps I mean me. Perhaps I do not because I don't want to say fuck me. I'm awesome. As you know, as I've told you many millions of times. But when I'm talking about stores, man, you go into a goddamn store and you just see. Like, I, I used to think this when I watched this fucking show called Unwrapped. And they're like, here's how you make ketchup. First, you get four million tomatoes. That's not a joke. Like, literally, it's, it's fucking pickup truck after pickup truck after fucking pickup truck filled with tomatoes. And those go to one ketchup plant. Like, if there was one ketchup plant for the earth, I guess I could understand that. But they bring like four million tomatoes. They dump them into a steamer that cleans them, kills every like you know living thing or bug that's on them. Lets them peel the skin that easier. Then they get munched into a masher. Then they get thrown into the ketchup house and get spun around. And next thing you know, a fucking centrifuge is spitting out fucking ketchup into plastic bottles and labels and labels and labels. And it's all conveyable and it's fun to watch. And it's like, wee, this is fun. And there's the guy from Nickelodeon. And sometimes it's the guy from fucking Fresh Prince. And yay, I love Unwrapped. But if you really think about it, like I said, just the the massive effort it takes to make ketchup and that's one factory there's there's thousands of ketchup factories all over the world that some of that might not be true I, I didn't do a lot of research into the ketchup factories and their locations however i have to think that there's a lot more than one ketchup factory and it's churning out ketchup after ketchup and killing all the tomatoes and look tomatoes they're just used for ketchup 
uh, as one of their uses. Like we put them on sandwiches. They're using tomato sauce. They fucking tomatoes are getting murdered, man. They're we're just we're just growing tomatoes. They eat them. Not that they. Not that I want a fucking tomato to get a house. I mean, look, I'm not trying to be that guy. Nobody thinks a family of four tomatoes would survive the ketchup thresher and go get a small place upstate and have a doggo run around. No, it's not happening. I understand tomatoes are inanimate objects, sort of, sort of. Unless I have one and I drop it on the floor and I apologize to it because I'm fucking bananas. Uh, and don't get me started on bananas. Oh, you should see the apologies I give to bananas. You know why? Because when you cut up a tomato, if you chop it like once, twice, and you quarter it and you throw it in a salad, I only chopped it twice. But a banana, when you peel a banana, you got to snap the top and it makes that noise. Oh, you just broke. It's like banana neck. And then you got to slide it. You peel its skin off slowly. It doesn't come off in one fucking swoosh. You got to go rip, 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 rip. You got to rip the fucking banana skin off four times, and then you eat the inside of it. Well, he's still screaming. That banana is still fucking screaming over the fact that you fucking skinned it, and you exposed it like a raw nerve, and then you chew it up and you eat it. Well, that can't be good for you. I just read a report where it was like, if you eat stress in chickens, you get the stress from them. And that's why it's important to raise chickens in a good way. But, I mean, that still gets over the fact that these chickens are going to be killed. Like, I don't, those stories are such bullshit all the time. They're like, hey, be nice to these chickens. So then when you eat them, you won't feel bad. Well, guess who still feels bad? The fucking chicken. I don't give a fuck if you give a chicken uh, an ottoman to put his fucking chicken feet up and a handful of grain and a cigar, and he gets to watch chicken porn his whole fucking life. And then you eat him. He's still going to taste like sadness because he fucking died. That chicken is not happy. No chicken is, is willing to give. No, there's no chicken chicken in the world out there who's in a chicken platoon and he sees a fucking hand grenade and he's like I'll take it fellas and he throws himself on it to blow up so you can eat him and he saves the rest of the fucking chickens he doesn't feel good about that he still feels shitty he might be heroic he might be a chicken who went ahead and did his fucking duty but at the same time you're still eating him and his fu- he's got a chicken son somewhere who's like where's daddy oh, don't ask about daddy he wound up in a soup which soup which of the 64 cans of soup did daddy wind up in holy fuck these chickens got problems this soup has problems. These tomatoes got problems. Look at me. I, this is easy. That's why it's easier for me to avoid my problems. I don't want to even think about what I got going on in my life. I'm worried about tomatoes. And, I'm, I'm worried about vegetable rights and peace. I'm worried about tomatoes and chickens and soups. Oh, man. Why are we wasting all this money? Make, it, make one soup. No, that's it. I'm sorry. One soup. Make one fucking soup. No, and not tomato. Make the soup I like. Make a, I guess a chowder's good. I'm back in soup again. We talked about soup in the interlude. Oh, how great was the interlude, by the way. Oh, let's talk about me tinnitus. I was going to talk about that. Fuck. Uh, hold on. Let's let's back up. Let's talk a little bit more about tomatoes and soups. We'll do that for just a second. Uh, commerce and stores, again, like I said, if you, if you ever walk into a joint and you really take in what's on the shelf of a, of a grocery store, it will, it will lay you the fuck out, man, because it's just one store. It's one store. You ever go down that aisle in the store you've never been in before and you're like, Who's buying all of these rubber gloves? Like, I, I don't know who the fuck. I, I, Karen used to do dishes with rubber gloves on. She used to put that out. And it was, and it was for her delicate uh, hands. And she had beautiful hands. So, I mean, I guess I understand that. But, uh, and, and maybe she wanted to save them for fancy hand job, as you all know about. We've talked about fancy hand job. Look, these are the greatest hits, folks. When you look back on the 10 years, you think about the things that have stuck in your brain. The 7-Eleven story, the shower story, and fancy hand job. I'm sure that went ahead and stayed in there. There's things, I, there are times, there's a story, like, I'll, I'll think, man, I told a story on here that got nothing once, and I think about telling it again. And then I'm like, nobody wants to fucking do that, because then somebody's going to recognize it, and they're going to go, you, wait, you said that differently. Because again, as I've talked about with Richard Jenny, like, when you see a guy do his bits, you see a guy do comedy, you're like, oh my god, that's fucking brilliant. And then if he does it again a different way, 
then you're mad. You're like, oh man, that's not the way I remembered it. I remembered it when you did it this way. And uh, as a story guy, you got to live within a story a little bit. And sometimes you go here and there. As long as you're getting from A to Z, sometimes you leave out K and sometimes you give you two W's. You know, that's how it fucking works. Um, but I don't want to make people upset. So I just, I literally, I rigidly stick to the way I first told it. And that's not, that's not good. Cause then in my brain, I get all fucking fried. And I'm like, man, I got to remember the fucking way I said that. So when I do it on stage, it's the same way. And that's the perils of not writing a bit. That's the perils of just fucking firing away and whatever the fuck tumbles out, tumbles out. That's cool. I love doing it. But at the same time, then when you try to recreate it, you're like, ah, fuck, I get it. It's exactly the same way. And man, there's no way I'm going to do that. Um, but yeah, man, let's make one soup. Let's just fucking fill a store with one soup. No more, no more varieties. These, uh, these chickens have paid enough prices. And I know you're thinking to yourself, Mike, if we don't kill the chickens for soup, we're going to be overrun with chickens. Well, that's fine. Then put them on the backs of elephants and let them go to India. Let them, let them aid in the war. The chickens can run the fucking, uh, they can, cause they, I think chickens are smarter. Are they smarter than dogs? No, they got a smaller brain. Dogs are smarter than chickens. Dogs are nicer than chickens though. So uh, boy, should we reverse this? Should the dogs be in charge of like everything and let the chickens attack? I I don't know if that's a plan. You could probably get more chickens on the back of an elephant than you can doggos. You could probably get three solid good size attack dogs on the back of an elephant. However, you could probably get like 10 to 12, eh, 10 to 15 good sized chickens on the back of an elephant and they would fly into the crowd and massacre everybody peck out eyes and bite and they're small that's another thing doggos are coming in hot but then they're also like knee high so it's easier to hit them with a bat chickens are fucking scrambling you ever watch rocky rocky trying to chase that fucking chicken we could never win a war with the chickens folks you saw rocky and the chickens rocky's running around scrambling he did catch one but so what imagine if there's a fucking thousand chickens they would swarm the fuck out of rocky and then clubber holds the belt in in fucking literally indefinitely nobody beats nobody beats clubber Nobody beats Clubber if fucking Rocky gets killed by chickens. If a thousand, I'm, I'm confident in saying this. Shut up. If a thousand chickens kill Rocky Balboa, Clubber Lang never loses the belt. He retires, posh, he, he dies He dies with the belt. They bury him with it, along with all those other gold. And boy, I don't want to be a pallbearer at that funeral. That's a heavy-ass coffin, right? Who's the pallbearers at Clubber Lang's funeral? Let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> I made myself laugh. Who would it be, though? I don't, he didn't have any friends, right? He didn't have anybody who was on his side. Didn't even his management team hate him? I haven't seen that movie in a while. I think even he was mean even to his managers and shit like that. But I don't know, man. Drago? Maybe Drago comes along and helps him out? Maybe fucking, uh, who's, who's the other dude? Who's the other idiot? Tommy Gunn? He's dead. You know, I, I watched Tommy Gunn's 30 for 30 a couple of weeks ago. It was uh, Tommy Morrison. By a couple of weeks ago, by the way, I mean like six months ago. I don't fucking know. But it was about Tommy Morrison. And I genuinely did not know what happened to him. Like, in my mind, I remember he got AIDS. That was all I remembered about Tommy Morrison. He was like a boxer, and he won the belt. But he also, he didn't really win a big belt. It was one of those things where he fought for the belt twice, and he lost, I think. And then he had to fight for, like, the, the Continental Basketball Association belt or some bullshit like that. You know, some fucking, literally, the, the uh, Indian Ocean Boxing Association Championship. He had to do one of those fucking things. And then he won it, of course, because they wanted the, the, the big lummox white guy to win it because it's easier to promote that way. Um, but then he wins the belt, and everybody's like, all right, finally, Tommy Gunn. We've tried to get him the belt. He's, he, he got knocked out a couple of times by, like, fucking Greg Page, maybe, or somebody that fucked him up. Razor Ruddock might have killed him. Uh, but they're like, finally, he's got a belt. Let's do this. And not kidding, in seven minutes, he gets AIDS. Like, he, he, he wins the belt. That night, he goes out, and he just he just sticks his dick in a bunch of hypodermic needles and fucking dies. I mean, well, they, they were so, well by the way, not dies yet. Gets the AIDS. Guy winds up at the fucking HIV and he's like, yeah, I, but then he's like, I don't have it. <laughs> like, wait a second, dude. Um, we have medical tests that completely prove that you have HIV. You have AIDS. You're, you're, you're full blown at this point. And he's just like, nah, 
I want a box. So then he finds like some Indian reservation to give him a box. I mean, his life, dude, that's a life that went off the fucking rails. This was a, like a, I'm not, I'm not, look, I won't, I'm not going out. I'm not telling titles out of school here. He was hot. He was like a big fucking muscly, a good looking white kid who could, who could box and fight. And, uh, and so that's money. That's like money in the bank because everybody wants to promote a white fighter because again, he can go in and just go play up the racial angle and all that bullshit. Again, it's Rocky and Clubber. Uh, but Tommy dies from AIDS instead of a thousand chickens. Oh man, if Tommy, you know, if Tommy Gunn fights a thousand chickens, because he might have done that actually at that point when I was watching that fucking show, he won that like shitty belt, and then he had AIDS in like four minutes, and then he said, "I don't have AIDS," and so then he's got two wives. And this is not even a joke. He's got two wives, and he's like, he's still getting money from people, and then he's ripping people off, and he's sleeping it off, and he's he just his life went fucking south immediately. I mean, he was always because he was one of these dudes that they wouldn't say no to. Like, even when he was fighting and boxing, he'd be the guy who'd have, like, he'd finish boxing and he'd drink it like a fucking case of beer. Uh, and he was taking steroids from the time he was, like, 18. He was all fucking rageful. And there's, so there's a reason he was, like, a muscly, buff god-looking dude. It was because he was on the spike. So he's taking the fucking spike. He's out there. He's getting roided out. And he's losing real, you know, he's, he's beating up slobs and club fighters. Uh, he fought with his, like, his dad had helped train him box. There, were, there was videos of that. And now, so the whole point of the whole thing is, he, again, he says, uh, they're like, hey, you got AIDS. He's like, no, I don't. <laughs> like, what? He's like, yeah, I don't have any AIDS. I want to fight. So like I said, he winds up getting, he's fighting on a barge in international waters at that point. And again, he might, he may have at some point fought a thousand chickens. I don't know if he did or he didn't, but that's the kind of shit you got to put on. Look, if you get AIDS, if I get AIDS, if it ever happens, if something happens, I trip and I fall on a needle uh, or, you know, some, some weird, I, I wind up, there's plenty of other ways you can get it that I'm not going to go into here. But if I wind up with the HIV folks, I got news for you. I'm, I'm going to go out like evil fucking Knievel. I'm going to go straight daredevil and do a bunch of garbage shit. I'm going to jump off buildings with parachutes. I'm going to, it's going to be like those old, there's like old twilight zones in my old time radio shows where some guy will find the secret of immortality, eternal life. <laughs> and then of course, get what happens to him. I'm going I'm to let you guess out loud. I'll give you like five seconds. If a guy gets eternal life in the twilight zone or any of those radio shows with the twist, what happens? Five seconds seems like a long time. All right, that's five. He winds up in jail. So that's always the, the surprise twist is that he winds up in jail and then he has to live out his, his immortality behind bars. Uh, and, you know, he's not super strong. He's just a dude. So, man, that's just a that's just a that's decades. That's hundreds of decades of rape. I mean, literally, you better hope that you're buff like Tommy Morrison if you get immortality and you go to jail and you better be able to fight. You're some scrawny guy like Richard Widmark. You're going to get fucking nailed by all of the Nazis, all the fucking, every black dude, every white dude. Everyone's going to take a turn. You're just going to be a fucking wide open asshole for everybody to come in and, and, and you're gonna be, you know, you're going to be like in the fucking parking lot where they have that electric car parking charging station. That's all you are. You're just going to be fucking bent over all day long, just getting fucking spit roasted by all the convicts for for thousands of years. Literally, convicts and the sons of convicts and the sons of the sons of convicts are going to rape you, and there will be nothing you can do about it because you've made yourself immortal. <laughs> See what happens? That's the surprise twist. You don't 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 become immortal. If you got immortality staring you in the face, uh, give it up because bad things are going to happen. However. If you wind up with a death sentence like AIDS or HIV, which I know isn't now, but you got to have money, man. Like, you know, you got to be Magic Johnson. Although, like, look, let's talk about that for just a second. I, I And literally just a second. I don't want to get too much into this. But, uh, and I know this is a thing that goes around and I know people talk about it. It's like a weird conspiracy theory and people discuss it. And I have no idea. I can't, I can't speak to this. I have no knowledge. I'm not a, a magician or a doctor. I don't know why a magician, you know, I'm the only guy who can talk about Magic Johnson's got to be another magician. You can look, don't come, call, don't come for Magic Johnson 
unless you've got a pocket full of trick cards. No, I don't want to hear it. Unless you can turn water into rice in a red ball, you got no business stating your opinion on Magic Johnson's AIDS. Uh, but, I mean, it's fitting that he's nicknamed Magic because he made AIDS disappear, right? I mean, the fact that we can't – he can't have had it. He can't. I, I, I know this is – look, this will come off ignorant, I'm sure, and I don't mean to be that guy – but just for general logic and curiosity. And look, I don't know if I know fuck all. I, I know, like I said, I know Tommy Morrison had AIDS and he's like, I don't have AIDS. And then the next thing you know, he's fighting a scarecrow and he, he's giving up 20 pounds at the weigh in. I mean, he's literally just a fucking he, he's hang, he looks like literally he was as thin as a Confederate flag. And that's that's what Tommy Morrison would probably he'd be happy with that description. He had the HIV and he got so sick. He was as thin as a Confederate flag and twice as offensive looking. I mean, he just looked fucking awful. So. Oh, by the way, as we've talked about before, the Confederate flag is a sharp flag. Don't write me and fucking yell at me. I, I look, it, it it stands for a lot of terrible shit, and fuck that. Uh, and and you know anybody who's rubbing it in your face, whatever. But boy, is it a cool looking flag. I mean, it's just that stars and bars is just. I mean, it looks better than our flag. It does. Fuck Betsy Ross. She should have. It needs more orange, Betsy. That's what George Washington should have said. Needs more orange and a different shade of blue. Uh... Oh, I wish I was in the land of cotton doing this podcast. They'd love me. All right. So, um, well, let's get back to the non-controversial things I've been saying. I don't want to tackle the Confederate flag here because it's just going to upset some people. It's going to step on some toes. So let's go back to Magic Johnson not having AIDS. Let's talk about that. That's what everybody wants to know about. Uh, He doesn't have it, right? He can't. Or he did and he fought it off. And if he fought it off, then fuck being the general manager of the Lakers. Why don't you go tell everybody what you did to fight off AIDS? Why don't you, you, you know what? He needs to ride on an elephant into fucking India because they got an HIV epidemic over there. All these, all these, not just India, like other countries that aren't as advanced. Like, and, and India's a superpower, okay? They're nuclear power. But let's face it, Calcutta, the streets are a toilet half the fucking time. When you, and, and I'm, look, I've not been there. I don't want to comment on it. If you're in India, don't write me and tell me I'm fucking wrong. I get it. Not the whole, the whole country's not a toilet, all right? But just like America, there's some segments where you're just like, nee, you know what? Maybe after seven o'clock PM, I'm not going to go over there for any fucking tikka masala. It's not going to, I'll get, I'll get my tikka masala on the other side of town just so I don't have fucking 75 dudes who look like Gandhi with their hands out going alms and, and wanting whatever you guys use for money over there. I got no rupees. Um, but magic should, he should share his secret with the world. And if his secret is really just be rich, then then he should be convincing the rich to give money to try to cure AIDS in everybody, right? Shouldn't you do that? Wouldn't you just feel that that was who you were as a guy? Wouldn't you have your calling? If you got AIDS, if you got HIV, he didn't get AIDS, he got HIV. And, and you looked yourself in the mirror every day and you're like, fuck, I get HIV. But then you saw that you were going through a regimen that actually cured you and actually kind of fought it off. I guess he still has it or he doesn't have it anymore. I don't know. I've, I think the last thing I heard was the doctor said there's no trace of the HIV in him anymore. And I think that should be a fucking bigger deal than it is, shouldn't it? I mean, there are people still getting HIV and we look at it as a death sentence, even though there's AZT and all this other medication that people can go through. And I guess they're making headway, headway into fighting it off and, and inroads into making a medicine or a cure. I don't, I don't know. Again, I'm not, I'm not getting fucking AIDS today in the mail. It's not happening. Um, you know what? If you're out there, do me a favor. Make a note to remind me to get AIDS today. I need to get my subscription upgraded. I need to get my AIDS today back on track so I can speak from a more knowledgeable position on this going forward because that's what year 11 is really all about, me trying to cure AIDS or wondering why we haven't yet. Um, 
But if you're like some HIV dude and you're like, hey, this uh, this blows. Hey, magic cured it. Maybe I could call him. Like, wouldn't you want, if you were, look, I do a fucking podcast and I feel stupid not calling you guys. Like if, if someone's got to, they'll reach out to me in the middle of the night when I can, sometimes don't, don't take this, don't fucking beat down my door. But sometimes someone will contact me and they're like, hey man, I'm in, I'm in a bad way or I'm kind of, I'm kind of boned. And, and I'm like, look, I, you know, I'm just a podcast dude. I mean, I, I'm still your friend and all that. I hope things are well. Um, but I still feel I owe them an answer. I still have to go, Hey man, I hope you're okay. Uh, you know, I, I, we have a listener to the show who just a couple of weeks ago had to see a cardiologist and I felt terrible about it. And of course I didn't write her like I should have, but then she wrote me and then I was like, I, I wished her well. Um, but, but whether I contacted her or not in a, in an expedient fashion, I still, it nagged at me and I was like, man, you know, I know, I know my life is my life, but you should still check on that person. You should find out that they're okay. Um, if you have HIV and you beat it, like you fucking defeat it. Like you, you, you totally Cersei the shit out of it and you murder it. I've never seen, I hope Game of Thrones is an appropriate reference. Didn't she beat everybody or did she not? Didn't she fuck everybody for like two seasons? Then she became a warrior. I don't even know. I got to watch that fucking show and we'll get into that a little later. Um, but I mean, I would feel as a guy who fucking conquered HIV, I would want to talk to other HIV dudes and go, Hey, here's what you do. Like, wouldn't you give them the secret sauce? Wouldn't you give them the formula? You're not fucking Colonel Sanders trying to hide it so you can profit off the fucking murders of chickens all over the place. If... I would feel terrible if, if HIV people were still dying and I knew what to do about it. And like I said, if the answer is just be rich, then I guess I can't fucking fault him. What's magic going to do? Say be rich or give his money away? Because that's the thing. I'm, I'm walking a real thin line now between socialism and the rich and all these fucking people. And everybody's like, well, we got to do this. Let's have a living wage and let's make sure let's take the money from the rich. I heard somebody the other day. They're like, nobody should ever have a billion dollars. Like we should take all of their money away and redistribute it to the poor and fix this country. Leave them $100 million. They can still exist and live their gross, disgusting, rich life. And uh, and first of all, I don't think it would be a gross, disgusting, rich life unless you fucking thought that everybody else was beneath you in a bug. And I think when you get that kind of money, maybe you do. I don't know. I'm not, I don't have that kind of money. I've got, I literally have, I have $100. I don't have $100 million. I've got $100. And if you'll listen closely in the background, you can hear the IRS opening my fucking uh, drawers, rifling through, looking for any sort of pocket change that they can make happen. And I still got to file two more years for fucking sake. Um, I don't know. I, so again, so I walk a thin line there where people are like, Hey, we got to take all the rich people's money away. And I'm like, eh, I mean, they kind of, they kind of got it under the pretenses that we have now. And, and look, they gamed the system certainly. And they, I look, I don't want to get into this bullshit, especially not fucking year one. Let's get back to chickens killing Indians. Why not? Right. Let's get back to Rocky Balboa fighting a thousand chickens on a barge. Uh, or no, he wasn't. He got killed. Rocky Balboa got swarmed under and Clubber Lang kept the fucking title. But Tommy Morrison, now that's a guy. That's your guy. You want a guy to fight a kangaroo on fucking pay-per-view, that's your guy. Fucking call him Tommy Morrison. So Tommy Morrison's a dude, like I said, he gets AIDS. I watched the show and he's like, nah, I don't have AIDS. And then, the, like I said, some Indian reservation gives him a fucking uh, a boxing license and then he's going to fight. And then he couldn't. And then he disappeared. And then he winds up in jail for like four months because he didn't pay a hotel bill. I mean, literally... That, that was one of the most depressing 30 for 30s because, again, this guy had it all. And then, look, it, boxing's never good. Boxing never turns out well for anybody. Anybody who's a boxer, you know that their story's going to shit the bed eventually, unless you're Evander Holyfield. But even he, you know, he's got fucking crazy houses. He's got all this money. He's got everything going on in his way. But at the same time, the guy can't spit out two sentences in a row without sounding like he's got a mouthful of goddamn rice. I mean, he's just like, he's just all... Mushmouth. It just sounds like he's eating oatmeal all the fucking time whenever you hear Evander Holyfield talk. He's got his brain pounded into a goddamn syrup. And that happens. That's what happens when you do a prize fighting for a living. And also, Evander Holyfield's got fucking half an ear. Unless he re- rebuilt his ear. I don't know about that. What, did he rebuild his ear? Would you, would you ever? 
I mean, that's a story you got to tell. That's like fucking Buzz Aldrin and those motherfuckers who went to the moon. There's always that famous story. I think it's Brian Regan who does the bit, and he's just like, that guy's got the ultimate cocktail party story of all time. Like, anybody else is like, well, we went to Cancun, and we had some slides. We had a great time. Just literally Neil Armstrong or Buzz Aldrin are just standing there, just waiting, just waiting. Hey, what'd you do? Oh, uh, nothing. I just, I went to the fucking moon. I think that's Brian Regan, but he wouldn't say fucking. Um... So, yeah, so those guys, they got a story that they can unleash. So that's what Holyfield's got with the bit near. You know, the boot, he's got a boot near. You know what? He actually made a boot near out of his bit near. I don't know if you know that. He, he kept the chunk of his ear, made it a boot near. So everybody goes, that's a lovely boot near. He goes, I made it out of my bit near. They're like, what are you talking about? And then he gets to tell the story. Because anybody who sees the ear, they want to hear the story. But anybody who sees the boot near and doesn't know the story, well, they want to hear the story. That's a double whammy. That means fucking Holyfield's got two ways to snare you into the bit near story. He's going to either get you with the boot near or the bit near. You're going to see the bit near and be like, hey, what happened with your bit near? And then if you see the boot near, you go, that's a lovely boot near. He goes, hey, did I tell you about my bit near? Then you got to hear all that fucking stuff. God, Holyfield's, he's, he's a trickster. He's got all sorts of chicanery that he's going to reel you into a goddamn conversation about that chewed up ear. And he would think that'd be a topic he'd want to avoid. It's not a moment you want to relive. But at the same time, if that's your story, that's your story. I mean, I got stories that, you know, people, they still come up to me and they ask me about them. Hey, did you really put your head through a guy's, your painting, a painting at a guy's party? I did. And it was fucking awesome. I told my trainer, John, about that story. And he, he literally stared at me for five seconds. He's like, what are you talking about? I go, you know, like in a movie, like when you put your head through a painting. I go, I did that at a party once just because, just because we were fucking around. He's just like, you're a fucking dick. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of was. I mean, I, I did some dickish things, certainly. But that's all changed now with year 11 among us. That's all changed now with year 11 here. That's all changed with me in my old age as I gray and drift away as I fucking fall off the tree. Uh, as my HIV kicks in without magic saving me. Why wouldn't you save people if you know how to beat AIDS? That's why I think he didn't have it. And I hate being that guy because it's like, the, I mean, the Internet is just fucking ripe with those fucking controversies and everybody talking shit about, well, this guy did this and that guy did that. And, oh, did you, you know, everybody's talking about LeBron being the greatest of all time. And then people are like, well, no, Michael Jordan's better. And then everybody's like, well, you know, Michael Jordan, he was suspended for gambling for like two years or whatever. I'm just like, man, shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear that shit. And I, I, they explain it and I guess they make it sound plausible to them, but I'm too close to it because I fucking love Michael Jordan. And I'm like, yeah, he didn't. His father died and he wanted to take some time off. And then he thought to himself, you know what? My dad and I used to want me to be a baseball player. So I'm going to go ahead and make an attempt at that. It was like his misguided way at grieving his father. And he went ahead and got, uh, but he, luckily, like magic, he had the money to do whatever the fuck he wanted. So he went to Jerry Reinsdorf and he's like, yeah, you want to give me like a year or two off and I'm going to try to play baseball? And, and Reinsdorf's like, well, you do it for my team? He's like, sure. He's like, all right, but well, that's money in the bank because Reinsdorf, that's all he fucking cares about. I, I firmly believe that Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Bulls and the United Center in Chicago, I think every day he eats a Caesar salad made out of money. Like, like, I mean, he doesn't even eat lettuce anymore. No arugula, because arugula is usually like the rich people fucking lettuce. Uh, maybe even a nice bib. A nice bib lettuce is the rich people lettuce. Fuck that. You know what the real rich people lettuce is? Hundred dollar bills shredded, just fucking piled high and covered with a, a fancy ass vinaigrette. And they choke it the fuck down and they laugh at the poor as they glare at them outside of their tall fucking windows. And that's why people want to take their money away. So hey, here's what I propose. Let's just take their salad money away. How about that? Let's leave them with a living, all the money they want, but we take all the salad money away from the billionaires because I guarantee you, every rich person, every billionaire, anybody who's made, every billionaire, let's go that. Because a million is not even a million anymore, as as we learned from the movie The Social Network. You know what's cool? $10 million, $100 million, whatever the fuck. No. Anybody with over $100 million, like I said, you give them the $100 million and you take the rest. But I guarantee you, every billionaire in the world eats a money salad every day, a goddamn money salad. They got a fucking special knife that they made out of like the fucking 
horn of a dinosaur that they, they they've kept alive for centuries that nobody knows about. It's it's like there's a like a gorgon or something. They've got some weird Bigfoot creature. Literally, the femur of Bigfoots is used to make the knives that cut up the money salad for the rich, and then they just gulp it down with that fucking the vinaigrette made out of the blood of their ancestors because they save it. It's like a starter for sourdough. Rich people save the blood of their ancestors and they turn it into a starter for fucking vinaigrette, and they all pass it on. You don't think the Rothschilds are passing around their blood to everybody to eat? No, of course they are. Uh, that's And that's when you know you've made it. You have a secret society meeting, you eat a money salad covered in the vinaigrette of the Rothschilds' blood. And there you go. Now you're in the billionaire's club. And then you can pretend you don't know what, what milk costs. That's what people do all the fucking time. Why do, why, why do people get shocked? Like Trump gave a speech the other day and he's like, ah, when you go to a grocery store, you got to show your ID. And everybody's like, ha ha, he's never bought groceries. It's like, yeah, he's never bought groceries. He's a rich dude. You know who, you know who buys groceries for the rich? The poor. Poors buy groceries. Poors write checks. Poors have to have their ID on at them all times. That's why they were like, hey, you got to have voter ID. You think anybody's ever, do you think, legitimately, I'm going to ask you this. You think Trump's ever had to show his ID for anything in his fucking life? No. You look at him, you know it's Trump. I mean, I mean, the, the, the closest he ever came to showing ID is maybe somebody asked him and he pulled out a fucking thousand dollar bill and just went, that's my picture and walked the fuck past them. You know, some, some money his dad gave him, you know what I mean? And he walked in. That's all rich people do. They don't, they, they're not like you and me, folks. Trust me. I bounced in a nightclub. Uh, that's right. In a nightclub. I didn't, I didn't bounce in a house. I didn't bounce in a grocery store. I didn't bounce in a museum or a library. I bounced in a fucking nightclub. That's, that's who I am as a guy. Um, there was a room called the foundation room and it was up at the top of the house of blues and, uh, rich people would be members and they would just fucking walk in. You knew them by their face. That was the, the, the greatest affront. And we were told this by management. Don't ever ask people who are coming into the foundation room for ID. They, they belong here because they pay dues. That's what they pay for. So we were supposed to learn their faces. We were supposed to know who was there and, and, uh, and oftentimes their names. So when someone come up, you'd be like, hello, Duke. And you'd let him in the door because there was a guy named Duke who used to come to the foundation room all the time. And, uh, and also, that's just low rent, by the way, rich people, the foundation room. That's just, that's just fucking, that's not billionaires. There's no billionaires in the foundation room. That's just, that's for people who want to gawk at Donna Dixon when she's walking around with Dan Aykroyd one, one night a year as they show up at the House of Blues in L.A. Um, it's for after party people. That's the foundation room was. But it's still, even those low level rich people got to do whatever the fuck they wanted. We were told, yeah, they're the money. They're the lifeblood of this club. Let them in. They can do whatever they want. So if they, they started trouble or they started a fight, well, the poor guy or the guy that we didn't know got thrown the fuck out. And the rich guy, we'd almost apologize to them for having to f- associate with the poor and we'd get him a free drink and he'd fucking hang out because rich people get to do whatever the fuck they want in this country. And that's just, that's just the way it is in the world because they have money, they have access. And so that's why they eat money salads. That's why, that's why they make their forks out of the, uh, I'm sure they have some sort of like uh, the aliens did come and the rich had them killed and now they keep them as, as servants. Like if you ever got into a rich person's house, I went to a, a house the other day to Uber and I picked a woman up. I, I had to drive all the way up into the fucking Hills, man. And I got to this house and it was gigantic. It was gigantic. And the woman came out and, uh, and she was put in the car by an assistant, you know, and, and she was lovely. She was a, a terrific woman. And we had a great conversation. But uh, I said to her, she's like, oh, yeah, she goes, my friend lives here. And, and she's she's really just a terrific lady. I said, well, yeah, I, I figured it had to be you had to be a guest because I don't know why you would ever call an Uber when you own the world. And uh, and she just started laughing. She's like, yeah, this is uh, this is a little this is beautiful, but it's a little garish. And I'm like, yeah, it's a little it's a little gaudy. 
I mean, this this place's gate needed a gate. All right, I had to buzz, and then I had to bu- like get a buzz again. Like there were, <laughs> there was a gate to get through the gate. I mean, it was just fucking. I mean, money on money on money, and I know many fucking money salads were fucking consumed that night, and the blood of the Rothschilds flowed freely, and everybody was able to choke it down. But man, I drove with this woman, and she's just like, yeah, you know. And she told me about who lived there, and also it wasn't anybody famous, because that we did come around to that, and I was like, is this the house of someone I should know? I go, I don't mean to be asking that or whatever. And she's like, no, it's just you know, it was an entertainment lawyer or somebody, and that's what I always told people all the time when Karen and I would go, she'd want to look at the rich houses in Bel Air or Brentwood or whatever, um, or in the hills in the Hollywood Hills, we would ju- I would just tell people from out of town, I'd say, hey, man, this is uh, this might not be a famous person's house. There's a lot of producers and a lot of fucking cinematographers and a lot of, you know, there's people with a lot of money in this fucking town and they, they've just owned these houses forever. And I will tell you this, when I dropped the woman off, she was, again, very lovely and terrific. We had a nice conversation. And then I Googled the address where I picked her up. Uh, because in California, they'll have real estate listings. And uh, you know what? It wasn't that bad. It was only a $26 million house that I picked her up at 26 million for the house. And then of course it has the listing and it says the property taxes every year are $295,000. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, you, you could, and again, so that's when you start to get into the whole man, holy fuck, who's got all the money? Jesus Christ. And what are they doing with it? 26 million for a house, 295 for property taxes. You gave, if you gave $295,000, you could, you could, that would be enough for, hmm, how many, I'm going to say this. Five families. Let's do that. Five families could survive on $60,000 a year, right? They could have a, a, probably a decent place to live. I mean, not in California, certainly. No, that, not with the $26 million houses we've got out here. But if you lived out there, oh, man, I'm, I'm feeling a sneeze come on. And I, I don't want to sneeze on the air. And I, but I don't want to stop down because I got momentum and I'm talking. But as I talk through it, I'm trying to fight it off. But it's, oh, <laughs> God damn it. I'm sorry. And I, I was going to edit it out, but, but it just it creeped up on me. And there was nothing I could do. How come more fucking broadcasters don't sneeze? You ever think about that? All the radio you listen to, all the fucking TV shows you watch, how does a newscaster not just blast one out in the middle of a goddamn broadcast? I guess that's why they're the pros. And why I'm talking to you from a goddamn desk in my apartment. My beautiful apartment, my lovely apartment, my apartment I'll talk about in just a second. Because I should probably stop talking about rich people. Why did my brain go there? I don't even know if I don't know. Oh, because I want to talk about magic and why he's fucking ruining everybody's life. Magic, fucking quit quit run, running the Lakers. Give money to the poor. Not even the poor. Go throw your go down and uh, be the Mother Teresa of, of like the AIDS and HIV virus people and just go, here's how we do it. Be the Pied Piper. Get out your giant fucking flute and play it. And let all these people fucking follow you. Although I guess that's a bad analogy because in the Pied Piper, take, he stole the kids, right? Yeah, go steal. That's what magic should do. Play your flute, steal all these fucking uh, AIDS and HIV victims, and then take them to your house and cure them in your magic laboratory. Or, or do you call it a laboratory? Perhaps you do magic. Um, so again, I don't want to be conspiracy theory Jones, but Jesus Christ, he can't have AIDS, right? He, he didn't have HIV. Then why did he retire? Was there a misdiagnosis and they thought he had it, and then it turned out that he didn't have it? Or is the secret just to have so much money that you can fight it the fuck off? Maybe money salads and the blood of the Rothschilds are able to fight off HIV. But that's the thing is they don't want to save people with HIV. They're just like, no, only, only rich people. Rich people don't get sick. Rich people live forever. They just entomb themselves in a cocoon of money and change. They sleep every night in a, in, a, in a container of change, like a gold sarcophagus filled with doubloons. Nothing wrong with that. If you're rich, that's what you do. You get Blackbird's, get Blackbeard's ghost to haunt your house, and you get his treasure, and you sleep in it. And that, that sounds healthy, right? That's, that's your hyperbaric chamber. That's your elephant man's bones. Everybody made fun of Michael Jackson because he wanted the elephant man's bones. He just wanted to make another knife to cut up his money salad. That's all the fucking guy wanted to do. But other rich people are like, pshaw, you can't do that. And then they went behind doors and they put on robes and they had a fucking chant. And then they all rolled around in their money like fucking dogs rolling around in shit. Ugh. 
Hi. <laughs> Why am I bitching about all that stuff? So anyway, the point of this whole entire diatribe was, folks, if I ever get HIV and AIDS, I'm going to do a bunch of crazy shit. I'm going to evil Knievel. I'm going to jump off buildings with a parachute. I'm going to go. I'll fight people in international waters. I'll, t- I'll tangle with lions and bears. I'll, whatever you say, I'll, I'll actually start out a fucking thing where I'll take requests from people to do a bunch of nonsense. And then none of your bullshit like, please come spit blood in my boss's face. I'm not, I'm not about to ruin people's lives. I'm all about ruining my own life in the quest of adventure on the way out because we know that the HIV and the AIDS are coming for me. I mean, that's that's fucking seven letters you can't fucking get past. So if they've got me and they've got me ensnared in their heavy grip and their AIDSy grip, then I will fight to the last, but in a cool way. Like I'll wear like a fucking Captain AIDS outfit and I'll fight dudes in the street and I'll just, and, but boxing matches, legitimate fights, like in international waters. I won't just go up to people and fight them. I'm not a terrible person, but if like, I'll do every weird experiment. Like remember how Letterman jumped into the wall with the Velcro suit? I'll do shit like that, but, but like dangerous. Like I'll, I'll, uh, but I guess I can't risk bleeding on everybody either. God damn it. Uh, let's, you know what? Let's do it. Let's, this is what year 11 is about. We'll figure out that if I get HIV or AIDS, well, let's think of a bunch of tasks that I'll complete. I got, you know what? If, cause if I get HIV and I get AIDS, I got three more letters for you. PPV. Cause I'm going on pay-per-view and doing a bunch of crazy shit. Then I'll be that guy. I'll be like fucking Captain AIDS and just jumping over fucking motorcycles and shit and diving in and fighting a shark. I'll bet a shark knows if he got AIDS and just fucking ignores you. You get in there, you're like, come on, shark, whatever the fuck. And he's just like, bah, I don't think so. Because it's like, it's like bad meat. You're like, he's like, oh, that guy's bad meat. That guy's Malcarn is the, what they, I think that's the way they put it. Malcarne or Malcarn in, uh, in uh, Spanish. In the parlance of the Hispanic, I believe it's Malcarn in the Spanish language. In the Spanish oratory, Malcarn or Malcarne. Uh, who also, by the way, was a lounge singer in Mexico. When I went down there, I vacationed, and Mal Carne was there, and he was tearing it up. Uh, I never vacationed in Mexico. I, I must admit. I, I, I went and bought his albums just because I heard him on the internet. I heard him on Spotify. Mal Carne. Oh, he said, El Bababu, El Bababu, uh, El Baba Louie. El Baba Louie. All right, that's me singing. And you heard enough of me singing last week. You don't want to hear me singing this week. Uh, my nose feels stuffed up. It's because I get air conditioning. You know what I mean? It's that thing I talk about it all the time. When I'm in Vegas, it's 108 degrees outside, and you walk outside, you're like, wow, it's hot. And then you walk in the casino, and you immediately get the flu because a fan is blowing you in the fucking face. You're like, man, how do I beat this? How's this happen? Uh, but yeah, man, we're, year, we're in year 11. We're running. Look at us running downhill, speculating about what I'm going to do if I get AIDS. That's it's about time, right? It's, t- it's 11 years late. That's 11 years late. That's, spe- that's speculation. We should have been thinking to ourselves, man, if Mike gets fucking AIDS right from the jump, that should have been in the premise of this podcast for the last 11 years. What if Mike, what if this is the year Mike gets AIDS? Oh, that would have been a great cliffhanger to fucking introduce the first year. Uh, what if this is the year Mike gets AIDS? First episode of every year. Year two. Will I get AIDS this year? Uh, but if, you know, but there are very specific ways to get it. And since I don't, uh, dabble, since I don't partake in them, I'm going to have to get it from a, like a toilet seat or a sneeze or some bullshit. And, uh, you know, cause, cause if I wind up with it, then that's a fucking story you got to explain. It's like, like, uh, like Eddie Murphy, the, you know, you're, uh, AIDS, but I'm not a homosexual. Sure. You're not a homosexual, uh, or a drug user, but I'm not using any drugs, not any needles anyway. Ha <laughs> ha. That's right. I'm getting stoned all the time. Maybe getting baked. Year 11, mushering in stoner Mike. It's not really, but, uh, but who knows, who knows what your 11 will bring. I can tell you this, is what it'll bring. It'll bring more of my tinnitus. I was talking about that a second ago. And by a second, that might've been 45 minutes ago. Uh, my tinnitus is amped up. It's attack folks. And I don't know why. And I think maybe 
it might just because my ears are always a fucking coin flip. You know what I mean? It's always got that fucking uh, waxy, uh, the the bacon skin wax the puss in there. Uh, dolphin skin, bacon skin, wax the puss, whatever the fuck. He's in there lurking. The other day I pried one of them out. Oh my Christ! That it came out. It, it looked like it looked as if my uh, <laughs> like my eardrum had been wearing a waxy robe. That's how long it was when I pulled it out. It looked like a sash, and I I pulled it out. It looked like, you know what? It looked like that weird. You ever seen the old magicians or the guys on the Ed Sullivan show who would pull a million scarves out of their mouth? Imagine that coming out of your ear, but wax. Oh, oh so gross. And yet. Uh, I still know that there's stuff in there and I got to get it out, but I don't want to, my life's been a little hectic. So I haven't been able to lay down and do the peroxide treatment. And also I bumped up all the fucking uh, deductibles on my, my, uh, medical. So I can't just go to the doctor and go, Hey, clean up my ear for 50 bucks. Cause again, I'm not eating money salads. I'm not a rich guy, a rich guy. See, he's just got a guy who comes to his house and just fucking scoops it out with a gold fucking fork. Yeah. Hold on. You know, actually the rich probably have, Oh dude, they've probably shrunken people down to go in and clean their ears out. Like it's a coal mine. And then his guys just get in there and just fucking chisel away. Oh, that'd be perfect. If I had tiny little humans I could put in my ear to scoop out the wax, I bet it'd be more efficient than pouring peroxide in there. I need tiny humans. Send them my way, please. Uh, but I've noticed this about my tinnitus. Like I said, I can, it's always there. It's kind of low level, like kind of a ee, like that kind of thing. But if I jut my jaw forward, it it increases in volume, like by by half or maybe more. It becomes prominent. So... What I'm wondering is if there's wax in my ear that's suppressing the the ringing sound of the tinnitus and I should leave the wax in there, or by shifting my jaw, does that move the wax into a place where it makes the tinnitus screeching more pronounced? I don't know. All I know is people, I've read, uh, like, tinnitus drives people insane. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe this ringing in my ear. Now, I just, I've just gotten used to it over the years. You know, it's just always there, just kind of this low level in my ears. It's in both ears. My left ear now, though, is where it's beginning to be more pronounced. If I jut the jaw forward, it really comes, it's really prominent in my left ear. Um, and so I, I don't know what to do in this case. Like, I, I know it's, it's driven people mad in the past and people are just like, oh my God, I can't believe it. But I've just gotten used to it. Like I do those, like I have eye floaties. You ever get eye floaties? Because I have scar tissue on my eye from, from the times I've, scra- I've scratched my cornea twice and, uh, and then countless other fucking times where you put your thumb in your eye or whatever the fuck. Uh, one time I got a dick in the eye. <laughs> Will he get AIDS this year? Not if he's putting dicks in his eye. I'll tell you that. Nobody got HIV from an eye fuck. Um, but yeah, so I, I wound up doing this thing where... Uh, you know, I, I just, I see the eye floaties and I'm like, ah, oh, they're there. You know what I mean? You just deal with it. It's weird sometimes. Like if you're, if you're not doing anything, if you're just looking up and you see them, then you're like, oh man, that kind of sucks. But through your daily life, you don't really notice them. Uh, and same thing with the tinnitus. It's just kind of there. And only, only this weekend when I did the fucking jaw thing, did I go, oh, that's getting worse. It seems like it's getting worse, but that's only if I do the jaw thing. And I'm not going to do the jaw thing unless I want to fucking imitate Bruce Springsteen with that bottom jaw out, you know, jutted out. Uh, I got a protruding bottom lip. Protruding bottom lip brings tinnitus. I must avoid the protruding bottom lip at all costs. So, uh, so that's, I don't even know why I'm telling you about my tinnitus. It's just cause it's there. And now it's, it's, it's lurking and it's getting to be, uh, <laughs> worse, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> why did I go into this? Come on. Let's go back to Rocky Balboa fighting four tigers or whatever the fuck or a thousand chickens. Um, so Let's talk about the interlude from last week. How amazing was that, folks? Let's go ahead and talk about that as year 11 dawns upon us and we can look back at year 10 fondly with the close of David Hernandez and his brilliance bringing us the goddamn interlude and people writing us. And if you haven't heard it yet, you got to give it a spin. You got to go ahead and tune in, folks, because uh, I don't know why you're listening to year 11 without listening to year 10's ending. 
because uh, every new beginning has to have year 10's end. So go ahead and listen to that, says the guys from Pavement. Closing time. Every new beginning starts with some other beginnings. And and that beginning's end was the interlude, and you should listen to it before you get into this new beginning, motherfucker. New beginning, by the way, sounds like one of those bands that played the Super Bowl before the 80s. Like, they had, like, up with people and new beginning. Da-da-da-da-da-da. We love football and God. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, football and God. Oh, those fucking bad, like, 80,000 white people dancing around in long pants because, God forbid, they show any skin or do anything but smile. And they're, sh- like, you know, it's funny. You watch now the Super Bowl. They always have those people on the on the thing with glitter or the signs or the reflective surfaces. That was the teeth of the white people who did all of the halftime shows in the seventies. Up with people, the fucking lights were so bright they'd shine off the fucking teeth and blind at least two people at every Super Bowl. It was a dangerous proposition to go to the Super Bowl in the seventies because you were going to get blinded by the, the the lights reflecting off of the teeth from up with people as you sat in the audience and watched their lame show. That's what started the tradition of people leaving to go get concessions at halftime. Normally, people watched the show. Up until 1974, everybody watched the halftime show from beginning to end. Nobody dared leave their seats. But then, up with people performed at Tulane Stadium with uh, Minnesota against Pittsburgh. And it was raining. It was shitty out. And then up with people smiled. And three people got their eyes fucking burned out by fucking white people smiling. And everybody went, whoa, we better go get a hot dog next year. And that's what happened. And that's why they had to renovate it and started having guys like Prince and Bruce Springsteen do it. And Bruce Springsteen went out there, jutted his jaw, and gave everybody tinnitus. I, I don't know if you know that. I can jut my jaw and give myself tinnitus. Bruce Springsteen juts his jaw, gives everybody at the Super Bowl tinnitus. That's why he's not been back. He was only there once. And everybody who watched that Super Bowl left with a uh, ringing in their ears, man. Courtesy of the boss and his jutting jaw. Uh, which is my favorite children's book. Fuck James and the Giant Peach. The boss and his jutting jaw. That's actually like a children's book for adults. It's how to deal with your, your mean boss at work. The boss and his jutting jaw. A story for you and how to deal with cubicle life. <laughs> Somebody write that book and credit me. Because, uh, again, I don't want to do any work. I wouldn't want. I just want credit. I don't want to do the work for the boss and his jutting jaw. I don't know why James and the Giant Peach popped into my head. Jesus Christ. That's, is that a book? Was that a movie or a book? That was a weird inhale. That sounded like a gasp. I wasn't gasping at my own <laughs> my own decision. Is that a is that a movie or a book? <gasps> no, I just I had a bad breath there. Uh, a bad a bad breath intake. I don't have bad breath. I use a look, folks. I use two different mouthwashes. You want to fight with me? I use a biotin. Uh, is that a biotin at night? I don't know. I use a blue one in the daytime and a, and a clear one at night. I use biotin at night, and then I use another one during the day, a blue one. Because, you know, you brush your teeth in the daytime. you got to use a, a blue mouthwash, which is kind of minty. And then I use the one for dry mouth at night. So just in case something goes bad, something goes awry. So all of my spit decides to leave my body in some weird way. Uh, it was what I, That's what Jason Sands DDS told me to do 15 years ago. He might have changed his mind now, but I don't have it on my health plan, so I can't go ask him. I can feel my teeth falling apart like an old fence. And I'm just like, man, I got to go see a dentist. But part of me is like, I, I want to go because I want to get it fixed. They're not falling apart. They're not bad. But just, you know, I, I've eaten, I've eaten, I was eating chocolate forever. And so my gums are like, hey, dude, we're leaving. And I'm like, no, no, stick around, please. At least for the rest of my life, that'd be great. Um, but I want to go to a dentist. But part of me wants to go. Part of me doesn't want to go because I don't want to get the bad news. And also part of me really doesn't want to go because I don't want to get fucking yelled at by the dentist. I don't want him to look in my mouth. And I, this is what you don't want to hear from your dentist. You never want to hear that. Ah, uh, what have you been doing with yourself? Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, eating chocolate bars by the fucking handful. And he's like, yeah, it shows because your gums are receding, uh, which is not good. You know, your gums are receding. What was that? It's a, it's a Pink Floyd, uh, Pink Floyd, the wall. It's stuck in my head. I'm sorry. I'm going to stop doing that free association thing. That's another thing I'm going to stop in year 11. No more stream of consciousness. I'm going to script this fucking show going. I don't want to do one final show to tell you that I wasn't going to script. Uh, or I wasn't going to do these shows anymore. I'm going to script the show from now on. Your gums, they are receding. Uh, A distant mouth, smoke on the horizon. 
uh, your gums are leaving you in waves. Your lips move. I can't hear what they're saying because your lips and your gums and your teeth are all falling the fuck out because you abuse the fuck out of yourself. I, you know, I got to go see Dr. Waters DDS. Maybe he's got a fucking better thing for me. Dr. Gilmore DDS. Dr. Waters, Dr. Gilmore, Dr. Waters. Maybe I'll go see those guys. Dr. Sands, Dr. Gilmore, Dr. Waters. The three of them are just plunging into my mouth. Uh, looking at the dark side of my throat. All right, uh, folks, so I'm never doing these shows again. I'm just scripting the show from now on because look what happens. I mean, holy fuck, we're almost an hour in and I've talked about nothing. None of the things I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about the interlude and how great it was and how fucking amazing David is. So I'll talk about it now. It was fantastic. Uh, thank you for not chiding me for my parts. I, I did the best I could. And I'll tell you what, I, I had a better, I had a healthier work environment this year with David because I've done some work on myself, you know, going to see Shannon and, and, uh, you know, David, David's seen some really harrowing things. I mean, he saw me punch myself in the face once because I wasn't getting things right at his house. Um, cause I felt I was letting him down and letting the world down and letting the earth down. But I tell you what, I, I took a breath before I went there. I was in Cincinnati the week before I went to cut my vocal tracks and I was studying them and I was looking at stuff in my room and I went in my head, I went, you know what, man, just, uh, just do the best you can. I mean, that's all you can do for agreements. Do your best. And, uh, and I, in my head, I went, this is not my milieu. I'm not a singer. You know, whatever David's going to ask me to do, I'll do the best I can to do it. And then I'm not going to get frustrated if I can't do it. I won't be angry. I won't be sad. I won't be upset. Uh, I'll do the best I can. And did I adhere to that? I would say 95% of the time I did. I went to his place um, and it made it a much easier record. I mean, my parts were done in almost two days, like two and a half. I had scheduled five days to be by his house. And, uh, and our work was done in a couple of days. It was great. I felt good about it. And then, you know, he mixed it and then we recorded because we recorded a podcast one day. Uh, and then when I went in and I recorded my parts for the interlude, I was just like, all right, well, I mean, this works, you know, I had to improvise the Yeep stuff. Uh, and it was just, it was, it was so great. But I mean, again, th- that's my part in it. I walked into a product that was 85% done. You know, I mean, I only had to contribute whatever I had to contribute. I, I wrote some lyrics. I rewrote a couple of, of stanzas and we made them work together. And then, uh, and then I had to improvise, you know, all the Yeep stuff. And then I had to sing my parts that David wrote for me. And, uh, you know, I did the best I could. And uh, there were a couple of times that I did get frustrated where I was like, yeah, you know, and, uh, and it's so funny because, and it's, it's part of being a child. I will admit this. It's part of being a child. I, I wanted him to, you know, you, you want like I would be a really good celebrity because I want people to coddle me. Like I want the engineer, like I don't want somebody, I, I don't want fucking Roy Thomas Baker to go, fuck you, try it again and get mad and all that shit where they make Joliet scream till his, his throat bleeds. Uh, I'd want them to go, Hey man, that was a really good take, but we're going to try it a second time. Like that's what I'd be looking for in a working environment because that's what I want. But David, um, David is, he's not mean and he's not nice. He's just matter of fact. He's like, no, no. And th- here was the thing that, that drove me crazy whenever we'd talk. And you can hear this. There's a couple of parts in the in the interlude where I'm I'm missing the beat by like a half measure. And by the way, I don't even know what the fuck half measure means. I have no idea if that's a real musical term, if it means what it means. Who knows? But Dave would be like, you're coming in on the drum beat. Boom, 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 boom. And he'd clap, clap, clap. And so then I'd try to do it. But I'm, I would tell him, I go, look, I'm more of a mimic. So if I can hear how you did it, then I can mimic how you did it rather than thinking of it rhythmically. And he'd be, well, it's a rhythm thing. And then I would get, again, truthfully, I would get upset because in my head, I'm like, well, I have rhythm. I can dance. I, I, I know music. I, I love it. And like I said, I, can, I have real good rhythm. I can dance. But it's, there's different rhythms within this musical. And also doing a musical is totally different because you're speaking and singing in, on, on drum beats and on, on, the, on the one or on the five or whatever the fuck. Because he would tell me there's stuff that's like five, four or whatever time. And I'd just be like, I don't. All right, I go, well, just let me hear it so I can mimic it. And there's two, it's funny, when I listen to the interlude, because I've listened to it now roughly 17 times, maybe more, 
uh, I have not played it in the car yet because I've been in the car a ton too because my money is a thing. But uh, but I, in my head, I wanted to play it in the car, and then I'm like, ah, oh, that'd be fucking weird just to see people go, what are you? What's going on here? <laughs> and then I have to explain it. Um, but at home, I listen to it when I'm in the shower. I listen to it around my house, and uh, I can hear glaringly the two. There's two things that I did wrong that I know for sure. I was like, nah, I wish I'd have done those better. I wish I would have done those better. Um, but David, I'm sure, does the same thing with his voice or with his guitar playing or whatever. And any creative person, when you hear things back, like on this show, I, I told you, when I hear my fucking the, the spit in my mouth, I want to fucking throw my computer out the goddamn window because I'm so furious. But I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. I just I guess I got to get a better windscreen. Uh, your windscreen stays on my mind. The sock is not cutting it anymore. I need a, a, an actual windscreen because, you know, David had windscreens. You didn't hear my spit in the fucking interlude as I was cutting fucking stuff down. Um, so so but I hear the show and I but again, I. I'm still overwhelmed by the brilliance of it. I mean, it's over an hour. The guy basically recreated a fucking musical, and it's about me. Dudes, somebody wrote a fucking hour-long musical about a year in my life. That's insane. And uh, and I got to play in it. I got to participate in stuff. But I like I told you, that Schmitty on their minds, when I first heard it, I just wanted to play that for you guys. I just wanted to put it out. The second he sent me the demo, because, again, this dude, he fucking... He latched on the idea. Like, he pitched... He, he called me, and we were watching the live one on TV on NBC... And he's like, we know, we started talking about it. And we were joking. And then he's like, you know, this is a good idea. You know, I think there's legs here. I think I could do this. And I'm not joking. Within three days, I had three fucking demo tracks to approve. He's like, what do you think of this? I, he goes, I really think we got momentum on this. And by we, of course, he means you because I got no momentum. I'm just going, yes, I love it. Yes, do it. Um, if you can ever work with somebody so supremely talented who's so willing to give of their time, uh, I, I recommend you do it. Just go ahead. Just let that person do the best thing. You know, especially when he does all the things he does are things I can't do. As I've mentioned, artwork and music and singing and playing, playing. And I, I mean, I can write, you know what I mean? I can write lyrics and stuff like that, but he just, he just seized it. He ran downhill with it, man. His work ethic is just retarded. Like if I, if I had it, it would just be, it would be crazy. I don't know what I would do with myself. Instead, I, I tell you this, I would, I probably wouldn't be doing this, this fucking show just once. I mean, we'll see what happens in year 11. Like I said, I want to start streaming and all that kind of thing. And I always wonder that I'm not going to have enough to talk about. Gio was like, you got to stream before the end of July. And I'm like, man, nobody wants to fucking see me stream again. It's just me talking to people on the screen. Um, he's like, well, no, because people give money. It's a great way to do it. And I'm like, yeah, but if they don't give money, then you're just, you wind up bothering them for two hours. And he's, and Gio's like ready to fucking strangle me. He's like, what are you talking about, dude? You just got to fucking do it. People want you to do it. Didn't it, didn't it cement in your mind that they want you to do it the first couple times and i'm like yeah i I, went so going forward i will i'll do more streams and stuff like that but i but these last two weeks man have been a fucking july has been a fucking tornado the first two weeks i was gone i was in cincinnati doing that fucking run i was in uh uh, chicago doing the fucking interlude and then i came home and i had to drive to make it for the fact that i couldn't drive those first two fucking weeks so i'm fucking pounding it and driving as much as i fucking can and uh and then also uh you know my apartment's getting well it's it's just so so the point is, I, I, I will be streaming a lot more going forward. It's just that right now I'm trying to get things fucking straightened out. But yeah, the, the interlude was amazing. I can't stress enough. If you have not listened, you should. And if you have, you should listen again because fucking goddamn was it great. It was so good. Um, and as, as I mentioned, you know, year 11, we're looking forward. Every year I try to do a thing where I look forward to what's going to happen. Uh, and then he listened back to him. And I don't know if I was able to achieve the goals and things like that. I mean, I, I'm... I'm becoming better as a guy. That's good news. I'm becoming a, a better person, certainly. So, uh, so I, 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 I hope for year eleven to just continue to grow and be a better person and to start working more. You know, I, I keep talking about wanting to do live shows. I want to go do live more live shows and meet you guys. I gotta be honest, man. Uh, ticket sales have told me that I should not be doing live shows. I, I don't think I'll be doing any more real live shows. Maybe if I do like one a year, like maybe that would make sense. Uh, or if I did, or if I got more popular, like if I did more live shows off of the fact that I actually went and did live shows in Los Angeles, 
and wound up doing other people's podcasts and then gained a modicum of momentum and people heard me and I wanted to come to their cities because I don't, uh, you know, it just doesn't, it, it's not a viable alternative for me right now. I mean, I'll tell you what, Seattle right now, I, it's it's going to be rough. I mean, if you're if you're waiting to buy tickets to Seattle, it would be so great if you went and bought them now because uh, we're doing two shows I, and uh, we haven't sold enough for one, in my opinion, quite frankly. But I mean, it's, you know, we're pushing it. We're trying to do the best we can. We're Twittering and uh, Graham is, you know, it's me and Graham Elwood in Seattle. I, I usually wait till the, you know, that's another change in year 11. I'm going to do the plugs right in the middle of the show. And I hope this is in the middle because I've already done an hour. Um, but man, if you're going to Seattle, buy a ticket. That'd be great because I'm going to be there next week, which is next uh, Thursday and Saturday. That's the 9th and the 11th. And the tickets are on sale now. Thursday's a political show. I still don't know what that's going to be for me. I mean, Graham is doing the political vigilante. I will open it and do whatever I do, topical or talking about politics. Maybe I'll do that, all that cool stuff I said about the rich earlier in the show. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> you get to hear me do that live. How good? There's a reason why people aren't buying fucking tickets. And then the Saturday show is a live stand-up and storytelling. So it'll be Graham. Graham's going to open that up, and I'm going to close it. And I still don't know if I'm doing a long story. I'm going to do some stand-up. I'm going to – it's, it's – you know, and also another thing I get told to Gio and everybody's like, oh, until you tell people what a definitive show is or what the theme is, they're not going to buy any tickets. And I'm like, hey, it's me live, man. Come fucking watch me. I didn't know what Cincinnati was going to be. And it wound up being me two and a half hours talking to people in the crowd and, and, and doing a show. It was essentially a live podcast for two and a half hours. Now, you might think to yourself, well, Mike, you give us the podcast for free every week. Why wouldn't we pay 20 bucks to see you do it live? I got no answer for that, man. Fuck me. You're right. Why would you come see me live? I don't get it. Um, my real answer would be because I'm fucking great. And you want to support the show and you want to come see me live and you want to meet me and, uh, and you want to see what I would do. You want to see the magic trick live. I shouldn't say magic again because we've all tainted his name as he's not saving the AIDS people that he should be saving. However, but that's what you want to see. You want to see live bees. You want to see it fucking happen. So, uh, so man, come on out to Seattle. Check me out. And, and again, like I said, I, I, the last few shows I've done there, I, I actually sold like a lot of tickets. <laughs> and that was one of the reasons why I went back to Seattle. And, uh, and uh, yeah, these two, 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 two shows combined have not sold as much as the last show I did in Seattle by myself. So maybe everybody's waiting. You know, it is summer. Asking people to buy tickets to a show, I guess it's a hard thing because everybody's out spending their money on, on whiskey and, and inner tubes, whatever the fuck you guys do with your lives. Uh, but if you wanted to come to Seattle and check me out, that would be fantastic. I would love it. Come on out. Like I said, uh, Thursday's a political vigilante show, and uh, Graham's going to tear it up politically uh, wise, and I'm going to do the same or try to. And then Saturday is more uh, stand-up and storytelling. So Graham will do his thing. I'll do my thing. So buy tickets, please. Tickets are available at Brown Paper Tickets, and I'll probably tell you about it again at the end of the show. But I'm telling you about it now because, uh, yeah, <laughs> we're at crunch time. And in my head, I'm like, what could I have done differently? I should have promoted it differently. I should have done this. But I mean, what the fuck am I going to do? Am I going to get on the radio in Seattle? I tried. I reached out to their alternative paper. I did some things and didn't hear back. Because again, that gets to me not being a bigger name. So as a bigger name, I don't sell a lot of tickets. And maybe who the fuck knows? Whatever. Blah, 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 fucking blah. Uh, so Seattle exists. So I'll be there next week. And uh, and I, like I said, I'm hanging out. I know I'm having roast pork. Wayne Pichu contacted me. He's like, hey, man, I'm the roast pork guy. And uh, there's another guy, I think, named Jeremy I got to contact. Uh, he'll be in class, certainly, uh, speaking one time, but then <laughs> I don't know what he'll do after that. Uh, oh, actually, clearly, I remember uh, uh, meeting with the boy. He seemed like a harmless little fuck. Uh, I know it's picking on the boy I was meeting with this Jeremy, so I changed it. Don't try to think that I don't know Pearl Jam lyrics, because I fucking do, man. Uh, all right, so uh, my apartment is uh, looks like a tornado hit it, and uh, that's one of the things I have to f- fix. Today, uh, I'm recording. It's Wednesday. Tonight, Pat will be here, and uh, tomorrow the carpet gets installed. Um, let's talk about Pat Francis, my great friend Pat Francis, for a bit. He, uh, Pat Francis painted my apartment. 
That's that's not an exaggeration. He literally came over here, and I was here. And while he was here, I was I was doing stuff like organizing and moving boxes and doing the best I could to try to make uh, my life easier, throwing some stuff away. And he would recommend you should throw this out. You should throw this out. I mean, he just Pat Francis is no longer my friend. I think he's my life coach. This dude came over to my house and he's like, "Let's do this." And he did all the man stuff that like a dad would do. It was fucking. I won't lie to you, man. I fucking teared up. I I, I just. He unselfishly came to my house. He he fixed my sink. He he fixed the drain in my sink. He like poured liquid plumber down it. He fucking he painted my house. He painted my apartment. He painted my bedroom. It's green. It's fucking amazing. I will put up photos and stuff like that. I'll, I might stream. Maybe I'll walk you through streaming wise. Um, but he came over a couple days and he painted and and I had to move stuff out. And then I have a, I had a desk. You know I, I have a desk that I would record on. Remember I would hit it. It was real loud. It was a glass desk. I told you. And sometimes it would it would shift. So we started cleaning that off so he could paint the living room and then he just goes, uh, or the dining room, and he just goes, hey, uh, you know, this desk is going to be really crazy to put back together. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And he goes, you know, I have a desk that you can have. Like, I actually saved it because I thought it would be good for you to have. It's a really big desk. It looks like the kind of desk a big guy would have. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Like Mr. Big from a video or something? And he's like, no, I just, it's a big wooden desk. It's really nice. Like, you know, Pilar used to have it and now I've saved it and you would you would probably be better off having that desk. And so I'm, in, I'm just in a mode for change, man. So I'm just like, all right, well, uh, well, fuck it. Let's just throw this out. So we did. My desk that I've had for, you know, 10 years, 15 years or whatever, I, we just threw it out. We just fucking took it apart. I threw it in the dumpster. And now and we threw away these ottomans. There were these throw rugs that I have. Because I'm, I'm just, everything's getting changed. And Pat is just going, you, you're, you're going to be so happy with how it looks. You're going to be so happy. Uh so then he still had to paint the living room. And on Friday of last week, he's like, hey, uh, you know what? I can come over Friday night. I go, ah, I don't, you know, the problem is I got to drive. He goes, well, let's let me come over. Give me some keys. I'll come over and when I, I'll lock up when I leave. I go, you really would do that? Why would you want to do that? He goes, ah, Kyle and I will come over. So is his nephew, Kyle. He goes, and we'll just listen to music and we'll, and we'll do what we can. I said, all right, man, if you really want to do that, that's cool. So I gave him keys when he came over on Thursday. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm leaving Friday to drive. I left at 7 o'clock that night. He texted me at 730. He goes, hey, we're just getting here now. And, uh, and so I drove all night and I checked on him at one point. I go, Hey, you want me to bring you some food or anything? No, he goes, no, we're good. We're fine. He sent me up an in progress like wall. And I was like, Jesus Christ, that looks amazing. Uh, and then I kept driving. Then I kind of forgot about it. And then one thirty AM Friday night, uh, Saturday morning, he texts me. He goes, all right, we're leaving now. All finished. I said, what? He goes, yeah, we're finished. So I'm taking off. And I went, Jesus Christ, thank you. I mean, I, I don't even know. I'm so sorry. I mean, I'll, I won't be home for a couple hours, but I didn't even, I didn't even know you guys were still there at 1.30. He goes, you know, we wanted to finish up tonight. So he went home. I got to, I got to, my, to my place at, at 7 in the morning. And again, I walked in the door, and I just, I just started laughing. I, I mean, not only did he fucking paint my apartment, but he, he moved he moved furniture to where it should be. Like he was like, all right, cause we, I had talked to him. I go, well, I'll probably put the couch here and this stuff. Once we get everything, the carpet and stuff squared away. Well, he put my living room together the way I want to put it together once the carpet is done. So then I could see what it looked like. I mean, it, it, and it opens up the whole room and put my end tables at the ends of the couch where they belong. Cause I mean, I had everything kind of, you know, the TV was in a weird place underneath the air conditioner. I, you don't fucking care. But the point is, I mean, he cared enough not only to paint the joint, but then he, he assembled it and he threw away a bunch of garbage, like a bunch of stuff that I had in the house to throw out. He took, like I said, he threw out the Ottomans. He took this big stereo. Remember I talked about that big stereo? You could see it. Sometimes when I live streamed, you could see it over. I gave it to Pat. I go, if you want this thing, you can have it because it fucking cooks. I mean, it's really loud. It's great, but it only plays CDs and, and cassette tapes and radio. 
So, I mean, I don't have any of that shit left anymore. So I said, Cook, hook it up outside in, in fucking Pressman's Lounge. Because we, uh, we watched a movie outside in his yard. And we watched an interview with a director named Michael Pressman. This is when we went and watched Dr. Detroit at his house. So we named the place Pressman's Lounge. So we're going to do movies there every month. Like, uh, you know, a bunch of guys are going to come over and watch a movie or two. I'm, I'm so excited for that. Because I want friends. And I know it sounds fucking weird to say, but I mean, I'm 51. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have a, I'm not dating anybody right now. So it'd be cool to just hang out with friends, go to their house, play cards, watch sports, fucking, you know, all the shit I used to do with my brothers and my other friends. And, uh, you know, that, that would be pretty great. I would like it, but yeah, Pat, Pat painted everything. He painted the whole fucking house. I mean, it, it's, it's insane. I, 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 I was so happy. Uh, <laughs> So now the carpet gets laid tomorrow. So today when I finish recording, I have to start. I mean, I'm boxing up stuff and, and we're going to move stuff out. Of, you know, I was going to get a truck and we were going to move everything out of my apartment and put it on the truck. But I mean, that's like a hundred bucks. So in my head, I was like, well, I have a game room here in my apartment complex. I'm like, why don't I use the game room? Like, why don't I go ahead and store my furniture in there and it won't be a big deal. And, and so I t- contacted my manager. And she's like, well, no, I don't think you should do that because we don't have any locks for the game room. And I go, what do you mean you don't have any locks? She goes, well, it has a lock, but I don't have the key. Like, well, why the fuck don't you have the key for the game room? She goes, well, I can't vouch for anybody. They might break in the windows. And they might steal stuff if they come in the carport that night. And they st- I go, nobody's going to steal my chair and my couch because I'm not putting my computer and stuff out there. I'm only putting like big furniture, desks, uh, couch, chairs, you know, all that shit. And so, I, again, they always do this thing where they have to fucking caution me against it. Every time I ask for it, the carpet, the paint, anything at all. Well, you know, if you get that carpet, you're really going to have to move everything out of your house. Yeah, I fucking know that. But I still want a goddamn carpet. Well, that's a lot of work you got to do. Yeah, fuck, fine, I'll do it. Just fucking put a carpet in. Because they don't want to pay the money. They don't want to make the effort. It's like, it's, you know what it is? It's like dealing with me. I'm that fucking guy. Eh, I don't want to box anything up. I mean, I've already reached the point where I'm going to move my stuff. I don't need another chick fucking telling me to fucking not do it. Because, I mean, I, I'll give myself permission to not do shit all day long. Uh, so I said, look, I'll put it in the game room. It'll be a thing. And she's just like, well, all right, but I'm just telling you right now that we're not responsible for any damages or any stolen stuff. And I'm like, who the fuck's going to damage my couch? I mean, it'll go in there Wednesday night. It'll come out Thursday day when they're done laying the carpet. It'll be fine. She's like, all right, but I'm just telling you that. Oh, I get it. I get it. You're not responsible. Yes, I understand. You're not responsible if the chair I got from Mike Siegel, the chair I got from Pat Francis, and the couch I got from Kyle Dodson, if those aren't damaged in some way, if the desk that belongs to Karen Reader, if all of these fucking, literally every piece of furniture, the two end tables I have from Karen Reader, nothing's mine. Nothing in this house is fucking mine. Okay, I'll be very happy when I can start buying shit that I picked out that I like. But in the meantime, right now, I'm making do with what I have. And if someone steals two chairs and a fucking couch, well, then guess what? Maybe it kicks me into fucking gear and I got to buy a couch that I really like. Quit warning me that someone's going to steal my secondhand shit, because if they do more power to them. Enjoy it, motherfucker. You deserve that fucking chair I slept in for years. You deserve that couch that I've sweat in by falling asleep in it. You deserve that desk that contains all of the sadness contained from my ex-wife when she walked out the door and left a note on it. I get tired of it. So, you know, uh, I, I, so I have to move stuff into the game. And Pat's coming over tonight. It's Wednesday. So he's coming over tonight to go ahead and move it. I, I was going to uh, record yesterday. You know, as we talked about rebirth and start doing the show on Tuesday so I can get the artwork from David and stuff like that. Uh, oh, so wait, I, I got to finish this. I'll tell you this real fast. So I was talking to her, my manager, about the fucking the game room. And she said, there's no lock. She goes, do you have a key? And I go, how do you not have a key? She goes, well, they said that people who've lived here a long time have a key for it. I go, I don't know. Maybe one of the keys on my key ring does. So I go over and uh, there's a key on my key ring. There's like four of them. I don't even know what the fuck they're for. So I take it and I put it in the knob and it turns the fucking knob. And I'm like, this is fucking perfect. So I go, I already have it. So I lock the door and I close it behind me. And then I put the key in and, uh, Hey, guess what? It doesn't open the locked door. 
<laughs> it turns the knob because, of course, dumb fuck, any key you put in a knob that's not locked will turn when you turn it with a key. But I'm not a man, so I didn't remember that. So instead, I locked it, closed the door, and then I put the key in, and it didn't work. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, well, one of these other three things on my key ring better fucking work. And they didn't. And sure enough, my manager just goes, and now you locked it. And I'm like, yep, because I'm a genius. She goes, well, now I got to call a locksmith. And I go, no, I go, I'll get a butter knife. And she's like, no, don't damage the door. And I'm almost like in my head, I wanted to go, I'll kick in this fucking door. Who the fuck cares? If you don't have a key for it, just say somebody locked it. Whatever the fuck. Well, how do you not have a key? You're the manager, man. Uh, and this door's been here in this game room. It's, you know, when I say game room, by the way, it's got a ping pong table and a pool table. When there were young people who lived here, they would play every night. They'd be, they'd be in there drinking and playing all night long. But now there's no young people left, or at least it's too hot to play in there. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to hide my shit in there. I know nobody uses the fucking game room. But with the door locked in my head, I'm just like, well, fuck. I mean, because I can, I can pick a lock with a credit card or I can pick a lock with a butter knife. And she's like, no, Michael, don't do it. No, please don't do it. She calls me Michael, too. What is, every woman calls me Michael. Um, what are you, Franz Ferdinand? Come and dance with me, Michael. You're so look now. You're so sexy. Come and dance with me, Mom. So I call that. I'm sorry. I'm doing the whole song badly. Um, it sounded like Buster Point. Hey, my dad, Goya. <laughs> hot, 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 Michael. Um, Michael. Maybe Harry Styles' mom does that song. All right. So uh, as we're fucking around with the door, one of the workmen, because, again, they don't, uh, they, have, they have workmen here all the time. They're fixing the roof. They're doing all sorts of fucking things. And so she says, uh, the workman comes over and he goes, you lock the door? And I'm like, yes. And he goes, well, why don't you just go in the window? I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, yeah, go in the carport, like through the window. I won't, I'll spare you his French, whatever fucking accent he had. And, uh, and so he did. He goes through the window and he unlocks it. So he climbs into the screen. Now, the only bad thing about that is it demonstrates to me just how easy it is to break into the game room and steal one of my chairs, uh, which sucks. But I mean, what the fuck? Again, if you want to steal the fucking remnants of my life, go right ahead. Whatever the fuck happens. You, got, you will have an 18-hour period to turn around my life. That's fine. Go for it. Uh, so, so I got to do that tonight. Tonight I'll be moving furniture and boxing shit. Like I've got, again, it's like I'm moving, but I'm not really moving. So everything's got to come out of my apartment. So I've got to fill the bathroom and the kitchen with boxes and, and my television and the television stand and all that kind of shit. Uh, every, everything has to be done. And also, uh, I don't know if I told you this, man. My direct TV person has, uh, whatever. So I, I have direct TV. I've had direct TV for 20 years. So when I was off in, I don't know if I mentioned this in the previous shows, when I was gone in Cincinnati and Chicago, I then came home and I turned on my television and I had no TV. I had no TV reception and I had no, uh, nothing had recorded the whole time I was gone. Now, granted, it was just fucking chopped and, and Great British Baking Show and stuff I enjoy, nothing necessary. I mean, look, there's really nothing necessary to record on television, really. I mean, there's just, there's just no way you can justify taping anything really i mean it's just you're just passing time until you die at that point if you're just taping shows you're like well i must watch the office no you mustn't there i find myself now i i don't know if i'm making my life smaller or what because i didn't have tv the whole two weeks i was in cincinnati and even in chicago i didn't watch a lot of tv like in cincinnati I turned, it didn't turn the tv on the whole time i was there uh and then when i got to chicago mex and i would only go at like two in the morning three in the morning and then watch tv for two hours and then and then crash um and then he was flipping channels. Like, I didn't watch anything that I thought was necessary to my life, like fucking these shows that I tape. And then you just realize, after you go two weeks without them, you go, well, I, I guess I don't really need them. But there is something to be said for the drug of them when you then decide to turn them on and marinate at them, and, and, and marinate in them, I should say. And, uh, and you just go, well, fuck, yeah, this just washes over me and makes me feel happy. Uh, <laughs> because it's a drug. It's all it is. Television, the drug of a nation. As uh, I forget who that was who said that. Perhaps Saul Williams? No. Uh, I, uh, was it... Boy, who was it? 
God, and now I'm mad. Television, the drug of a nation. It's a, it's a famous rap song. Not famous, but it's a good one. Uh, mm-hmm. Good and terrible. <laughs> uh, so I didn't have, I came home and my TV didn't record. So I went to my manager, who again uh, was probably busy looking for a key for the fucking game room. And look, I, and I love this building. I love it. I've lived here 20 years. Uh, whether I come to you and I tell you bad things. I, and I like to the other managers. We used to have a, a couple. I think they were Portuguese. I don't fucking know. They, they spoke a language all their own. But if you asked them to do something, they would do it. It was a cotton top dude and a, and a, a, you know, a little house coat lady. And if you asked them for stuff, they'd be at your house immediately with a little shoebox full of tools. And they'd fix whatever you needed fixed. These people, you, you call them, like I, I told you, when I'm locked out of the house, she's like, well, it's not really, you know, I can't really be at the house all day to fucking let you in. And I'm like, no, no, that's exactly what you can do. That's your job. You're the manager of the building. So during the week, you should be here from nine to five. You just should. That should just be the way it is. Uh, it's that thing where now I feel, I feel weird knocking on their door to ask for stuff or to go, hey, why, what's going on with this? Like, and then I, I just embraced it, like with this move and the paint and the carpet where I just went, well, fuck this, man. I mean, the state said you got to fix the carpet. I'm painting the apartment. If I need to do shit, I'm doing shit. So I basically, that's why I basically told her I'm using the game room because she even still went, you know, maybe you shouldn't. Uh, fuck that. I'm using it. I'm just using it because what the fuck? And now, now part of me thinks she's going to put on a goddamn ski mask and go down and take a hatchet to my fucking fake couch. And if she does it, she does it. Whatever the fuck. But when I come back from being gone, uh, you know, they're working on the roof because, again, they had to uh, earthquake retrofit the whole building. And that's how I got my carpet. So they're fixing the roof as well. Putting shingles on. I don't know what the fuck you do on a roof. Uh, what, what do you do when you put 15 Mexicans on a roof? You just, you just pay them and they work. They fix it. They do the thing because uh, that's the thing is they get they have their own cadre of dudes. And, and out here, that's who does the hard work. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that as pejorative. It's just you get these fucking dudes. That's that's who does it. It's these fucking Hispanic dudes that can go in the sun and and do. They pick the vegetables and they fucking line the roof. And you want to send these people out of this country? Who the fuck's gonna go on my roof? I don't even. I don't even want to say the word roof. And I keep saying it. And it's bothering me. These motherfuckers are up there laying shingles in the heat. I mean, it was fucking 99 degrees that whole time I was gone. When I was in fucking Cincinnati, it was hot there. It was fucking hot here. I'm glad I missed it. And this week, I've had. That's why the air conditioning's on. I've had it on now for two weeks. Without a break, I don't turn it off at night. I just leave it on, man. I mean, I'm sure my electric bill is not going to be fun, but uh, but I, I didn't. I kept it off until like July 20th or whatever the fuck, and then I just went. You know what? There's a heat wave warning, and fuck, I'm I'm just or the 23rd is when I turned it on, and there was a heat wave warning, and I'm like, great, I'm doing it. I'm just turning it on and leaving it on because it was. It was like it, when they give you a heat advisory for two weeks or a week, you just fucking listen to them. Because, I mean, I, I tried. I had two fans in my room. I'm still waking up in a pool of sweat. You know what I mean? And even with the windows open, because in the morning, dude, it's still it's like 88 at fucking 10 in the morning here. Uh, and, and by the way, those dudes are on the fucking roof working. So more power to them. They're badasses. So anyway, they're fixing the roof. And I go to my manager. I'm like, hey, uh, my TV doesn't work. She's like, what are you talking about? Because I, I went to them first rather than call DirecTV. Because the first thing you do is you usually call DirecTV. But I knew something was up. So I said, hey, because uh, DirecTV, if they come here, they got to go on the roof, too. So I, I said to her, I go, hey, my TV doesn't work. She's like, oh. I said, yeah, I don't know what's going on. But uh, did the guys up there, did they take the dishes down when they're working? She goes, no. She goes, they're just up there working. You know, it's just they should be done soon. And I go, okay, great. Um, so I have to call DirecTV, and I got to get a guy up on the roof. She goes, what do you mean? And I go, well, I have to get a guy to come here. And he's got a, the, the, I have a, you know, I pay for the fucking protection plans. So they come here. They fix the dish. They check it out. She goes, well, you should probably wait on that. And I go, well, no, I, what do you mean? Wait. And she goes, all right, well, it's happened to like five other people in the building. So you can't have anybody go up on the roof while these guys are working. 
So in my head, I'm like, wait a minute. So you fucking knew. You knew that this is a problem. So I, 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 and I went, wait a minute. So five other, she goes, yeah. She named a couple other people. I said, so you knew that there were outages? She goes, well, I didn't think it was related to yours. And in my head, I'm like, who the fuck did you think it was related to? I have DirecTV. They all have DirecTV. They got outages. And it's because those dudes on the roof bumped the dish. And if you bump the dish, even a fucking centimeter, it stops getting the reception. You got to realign the dish. It's just the way it works. That's the hassle of it. Because I'll tell you what, cable goes out all indiscriminately, whatever the fuck. It's why I don't like cable. The dish goes out if there's a storm or a high wind. Well, that's the thing. In California, there's very rarely a high wind that will fuck with the dish, except for the one that blew the dish right off my roof at one time. I told you about that. But then there's fucking no storms. So I never have to have a service call. Very rarely. Like once a year, maybe twice a year, I have to have a guy come out and do something. But, and I pay the protection plan. I've paid it for 20 fucking years just in case. So I said to her, I go, well, so you've known that this? And she goes, well, yeah, and they waited too because they can't call anybody. And I'm like, well, I mean, dude, I don't have TV. She's like, I know it's going to be a few days or whatever. And I, I, I tell me when, tell me when. So they finished working on the roof like the weekend of the 20th or the 21st. And, uh, and I, so I said, all right, well, fuck, I got to call these guys. So I called them on the 24th. And I said, hey, look, I need you to come and fix the, you know, the dish, whatever the fuck. And, and DirecTV, uh, I should tell you about DirecTV. DirecTV used to be this unbelievably friendly company that cared about you as a person. And then AT&T bought them. And AT&T decided, hey, fuck you. They took all the customer service and they sent it off to India. You know, these people are happy to get those jobs. They're not getting killed by chickens and dogs in the streets. Uh, so you don't, you never, and again, I'm not this guy, but it's just, it's very difficult to communicate with people when they're reading a script in their second or third language. So it's, unfortunately it's a person who probably speaks Hindi and they're in India and they're trying to read off a script as I'm relating to them, what's going on. It's just, it's always a hassle to try to talk to them, to contact them. So I I said to her on direct TV, I said, all right, look, I need a guy to come out here. And she's like, all right, that is very great. Blah, blah, blah. And she goes, they'll be out there on the 31st. That's the soonest appointment. I go, that's a week. She goes, yeah, I know. I'm really sorry, but we are very busy in your area with installations and da, 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 da. And then, but Mr. Mike, we do welcome your, uh, your service and you have been a customer since 1999. And thank you. Like, all right, great. I, that's fine. Uh, I said, but I have not had TV for the entire month of July. I am sorry to hear that. Of course, there is a thing here where I should tell you that we want to make sure that you are going to be satisfied because thank you again for your customer service and uh, for, you know, and whatnot. But you have been, I mean, just like they throw in colloquialisms to try to make it sound like they're talking. And, uh, and I'm like, great. And again, I always apologize to them. I go, listen, I, I go, I'm not upset at you. I go, I understand that you're not the one who makes it a week, but unfortunately you're the person answering the phone. So I have to ask you these questions. Why a week? Why that long? Why can't you get somebody here sooner? And I I do the best I can to be as friendly as I can. Because again, I don't vent on customer service people. It's not their fucking fault. Unless somebody's being rude right to your fucking face. So, uh... So I, I go, all right, send him out on the 31st. And she goes, okay, well, I, he, and uh, if it comes sooner, I will keep you on my file and I will call you to tell you there is a sooner appointment. I'm like, and in my head, I'm like, that's a fucking pipe dream. There is no way somebody an o- five oceans away is going to keep my name on a list to try to do me a solid. Nothing against her. I'm just saying that was a nice touch that she tried to make me feel better about it, but there's no way. So I said, all right, thank you. I'll expect him on the 31st. So again, a week without TV. Uh, and then Pat came over to paint the house and, uh, he was painting in the living room and he was painting in the dining room and he's painting in the bedroom and, uh, there's cords everywhere. You know what I mean? Because stuff's been disconnected and moved around and he goes, what's this cord? I go, I'm pretty sure that's the direct TV cord. Cause it, it's run down the back of the building and through my bedroom out to the living room because that's the entry. You know, that's how you get the cord in. And he goes, well, what's it for? And I go, it's, well, you hook it up for the satellite dish. And he goes, well, it's not hooked up. And I go, well, it's not hooked up because, 
uh, right now I don't have any TV and I unscrewed stuff because we're moving furniture around. And he, he followed it all the way around the wall and he goes, dude, this is hooked up to nothing. Like this goes nowhere. And I said, okay. And he goes, so what do I do? And I go, I don't care. Fucking cut it. If, you, if it's in the way. And he goes, all right. Yeah. Cause I mean, I do have, I've got cords that I don't even know what the fuck they're for, you know, cause I used to have cable here and then I, I wound up with direct TV and I've got a modem cord. I mean, I, all sorts of, that's the bad thing. Like Karen, she was smart. She would take a photograph at the back of the television or whatever, and she would always hook everything up. I don't know where the fuck anything goes. It's another reason why I'm terrified to do this stuff. I don't know what gets plugged into where. I don't know what goes, because I, I still have a TiVo box hooked up to my television, even though I never use it, because DirecTV gave me a fucking DVR, so I use that. But the TiVo box, it still lights up when I turn on the TV. I'm like, I don't know if it's recording or what TiVo's doing. He's just living there. He's wondering. He's, got, he's had fucking five years off, so he's thrilled about it. Um, because ever since I got the DVR from DirecTV, that's who I fucking use to record shows. It, direct, it just goes right with it. And I never wanted to switch from TiVo. I'm sure I told you this. Again, the show's been on a fucking decade. Go five years ago. I'm sure I bitched about it then. Um, so he's like, well, this cord goes nowhere. So he cuts it and he finishes the painting. And, uh, and I turn on the television and uh, there's, you know, there's a picture and all of a sudden it goes away. It says there is no connection with the dish. This is five minutes after he cuts the cord. And uh, I look at him and I go, Pat? And he looks over and I go, uh, what? Uh, check this out. And I started flipping channels. It doesn't go anywhere. It just says, there is no connection with the satellite dish. You must check your cords. And he just looked at me and he goes, oh, my God. I go, yeah. I, I go, I don't, uh, I don't know why uh, that's. And he goes, I, he goes, dude, I'm so sorry. I go, that's fine. I go, they're coming out anyway because they got to figure. And he goes, no, no. I goes, I, he goes, I followed it around and it said it went nowhere. And I go, I know, but I told you it was for the direct TV. And uh, I've made mistakes like that. Like I, I told you the story. I was dating a girl once. And uh, she had a tiny, minuscule, a crack the size of a hyphen in a Word document on her windshield. And we wanted to get her car washed. And I said, well, just go to the car wash. She goes, no, it's got to be hand washed because that, that ding in my, in my windshield. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, yeah, when you do a regular car wash, it, it does something to the glass and it makes the crack bigger. I go, where did you, where'd you hear that? That's ridiculous. I go, it's brushes and water. How the fuck did that make your crack bigger? She goes, yeah. And I go, yeah, just go to the car wash. There's one a block from my house. We'll ride through it together. It'll be awesome. So we got in the car and she's in the driver's seat and I'm in the passenger seat and we're going through. And I've always loved that. My uncle used to have a car wash when he owned, he owned a gas station. And so we would ride in cars just going through and see the, you know, the scrubby and the suds and the fucking brush and see it whizzing around. It was totally fun. It was like you're trapped in a coffin and they were burying you, but they were burying you in soap. It was totally fun. So, uh, so I get in the car with this girl that I'm dating and I'm all macho and I'm like, yeah, come on. So we go through and uh, as we start to emerge from the brushes into the sunlight, the crack that was a hyphen is now easily two and a half feet long. It's two, two rulers. It's got, it's gotta be 30 inches long now all the way across her fucking windshield. And she literally just does the deadpan like, like Eddie Murphy in trading places that like you'd find in a bacon, lettuce, tomato sandwich. And he looks fucking deadpan at the camera. I, I look at her in her fucking head. She just does the slow burn turn and just looks at me. And I just go, oh, man, I am, I am sorry. Like, I didn't, because, again, I'm not a man. I don't know these things. And she's like, she had told me, like, her ex-boyfriend and her brother and her dad had told her it would not to do it. And I'm like, ah, those guys are idiots. Listen to me, a guy who never had a father and doesn't know anything about anything. I wouldn't know where to put the gas in this fucking car, but by all means, trust me with your windshield. And she did. And she paid the goddamn price. So when Pat cut the cord, like, I know exactly that feeling. When you do, you do something that's stupid, but you, you didn't mean it. Like you truly didn't mean for a bad thing to happen. And he was, oh my God, he was devastated. And he's like, my God, I'm sorry. And I looked at him and I go, Pat, you are painting my apartment. You've come over there to help me. You've, he changed all of the, like I said, he, he did my sink. He changed all of the light switch 
panels. Like he brought over new light switch panels. He he did the outlet. I mean, he just changed everything. He's making my life modern. He's helping me into the 21st century. And so I said to him, dude, don't fucking worry about it. I go, look what you've done. And he goes, I know, but I can't believe that happened. I go, I go, hey, man, you can beat yourself up over it, but please know that I don't care. I said, they're coming out here anyway, and I pay for a protection plan. So now they just got to put in a cord as well as fix the dish. He's like, okay, well, it's not going to cost you anything. Of course not. No, dude, don't worry about it. And honestly, I'll tell you guys, if it would have cost me something, who the fuck cares? The guy painted my apartment for free. He painted the fucking bedroom. He's coming over tonight to help me again. I mean, this guy just, he's, he's adopted me, essentially. He's become a dad figure. Or I'm just like, fuck, you can do whatever the fuck you want. So I would have never been mad in a million years. I mean, now I'll tell you this. If I would have cut the cord, I would have beaten myself senseless over it forever. You fucking idiot. You fucking knew. You fucking knew that was the cord that went to the fucking satellite. Just what the fuck is your problem? I would have been so mad at myself. Even though I'm trying to be better, and I probably would have said, you're not an idiot. You just made a mistake. And I would have talked myself through it now. But five years ago, forget it. I would have fucking, mis- I would have murdered myself over it forever. But Pat, fuck, he can do whatever the fuck he wanted. He could have kicked a hole in my television set. I would have been, that's fine, man. I'll just get a new TV. I don't care. At this point, you're doing me such a solid. It does. It's cool. I appreciate it. So, uh, so he cuts the cord. I call them. I'm waiting for them to get her on the 31st, which is yesterday, Tuesday. So they're here between eight in the morning and noon. So I drove late Monday night and then I wind up in bed and, uh, I set the alarm for, I set the alarm for nine 15, but it's, it's on the ringers on loud. So I'll hear it if the guy rings me. So I'm laying there and, uh, my alarm goes off and I hear it. And sure enough, the guy had called two minutes before my alarm went off. Now you have like a, so there's a 15 minute window. So I immediately call the guy. I get up and I'm, I'm you know, I'm still fucking naked in bed. My hair's all fucked up. And I go, Hey, Hey, Hey. And he goes, Hey, how you doing? And I go, I'm good. I go, uh, you're here, right? He goes, Oh yeah, you got 15 minutes. I just got here. I said, fantastic. I go, I will come around and I will let you in the back through the gate. He goes, well, okay, well, don't I have to come in your apartment? I go, yeah, but you're coming through the gate. Cause you got to get on the roof anyway with your ladder. He goes, okay. Do you have a ladder? I said, no, I don't have a ladder. You guys bring a big ladder and you go up because it's a two-story apartment. You go up to the top and you go on the roof. He goes, oh, okay. He goes, well, let me get my equipment and stuff all squared away. I go, that's fine. I go, I'm going to throw on some fucking clothes and I'll come outside. I'll be in the carport. Come around. I'll click you in because this is where you go on the roof and you go to the dish. And you can come to my apartment and look at whatever you want to look at. He goes, okay, great. So I go outside, you know, get dressed, head out there. And I'm sitting there. It's, it's already fucking 88 degrees. It's fucking hot. And I'm... uh I'm sitting out there waiting for him to come around to the gate and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And, uh, finally 20 minutes goes by and in my head, I'm like, well, what the fuck, man? So I'm staring at the gate. I'm sitting, you know, it's hot out. I don't want to be sitting outside the whole fucking time. So I call him and I get, uh, I'm sorry. The phone you have called is not set up its voicemail box. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. This guy just fucking answered when I called him before. So I call him again. I call, I call him five times. He doesn't answer his fucking phone. And I text him. I go, hey, what are you doing? I go, I'm, I'm out here at the carport. You're coming around, right? He never answers me. I go, dude, you, are you coming out here? Now, and now, I will tell you this. It's, uh, it's been 45 minutes. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. I waited 20 minutes. I call him five times. I'm, I'm standing out there, and I text him, and he doesn't answer me. So I wait till 10. And I come in the house, and I, I, uh, I call DirecTV. And again, the same thing where you're thrown into customer service hell with a bunch of people who don't know what the fuck you've got going on. And I said, hey, look, I have a, an appointment today for a guy, and he was here. And then 
uh, he has not come in yet. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I called him and I can't get him on the phone and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's happening here. And uh, well, Mr. Mike, thank you so much for calling. We will go ahead and take care of it right now because you are a loyal customer for 20 years and we want to. I'm like, yeah, I get all that, dude, because they're reading the script as they're stalling and trying to figure out what the fuck to do. I've had those jobs and I'll even I'll, oftentimes I'll go, hey, look, I know you have a script. You don't have to read it. If you want to talk to me like a guy, that'd be great. I've had your job. So just tell me what's going on with this dude. And he, sure enough, he goes, well, it says here, oh, okay, well, apparently you canceled today's appointment. No, 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 dude, I didn't fucking cancel anything. I go, I'm sitting here in my apartment. I talked to the guy on the phone. I texted him. He left. He was here. I spoke to him. He was supposed to come in and fix the thing. He goes, oh, well, I am showing that you canceled, so I, don't, I, I can reschedule you for uh, uh, August 7th. And I go, no, no, dude, dude, no. I said, he was here. And again, like I said, with old DirecTV, I called them once because, again, I, I, same deal, right? I never, I never bothered them because I always feel like, ah, oh, they're going to give me some bullshit and I, I'm going to wind up fucking myself. The last time I ever called DirecTV and thought, you know, and, and to talk about my bill, they gave me the NFL Sunday ticket for free. They gave me the NHL package for half price. They gave me a genie for free. They gave me like $25 off of my internet or, uh, I'm sorry, my bill, the, the, the other with the DVR charge, whatever the fuck it was. And then they gave me like $70 off for a year. Uh, like I, I was, it was this amazing deal. I wrote it all down. It was almost like $1,300 with a credit. And so I, 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 that was when direct was direct but now AT&T bought it and they just, the, you're just set adrift. I, I told you I had a buddy of mine, you know, he used to get the NFL Sunday ticket basically for free every year. He tried last year. They offered to give him $10 off the package. I mean, it's like, it's those days are gone. The gravy train is gone. Uh, because AT&T does not care really about retaining you. So I, uh, I wind up on the phone and I'm getting progressively angrier and I, and I apologize to the dude again, his name is Zach, but his name's not Zach, but it's, it's an American, you know, he saw saved by the bell once on a satellite dish and he chose that fucking name. And I'm like, all right, look, Zach, I appreciate you reaching out and trying to help, but dude, I gotta be honest, man. I don't know, uh. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pissed. I'm really upset that uh, I need a supervisor. I need to talk to somebody. And I, I'm on the phone with them for an hour. He's talking to me. He puts me on hold. He tries to get somebody else. He puts me on hold. He keeps trying to verify with the technician why they left. I'm on the phone for, you know, 45 minutes with him. Then he transfers me to a supervisor. So I start, and this guy, of course, Mr. Mike, I've been told that you are upset about your cancellation today. I don't know why you would cancel. I'm like, I didn't cancel, man. And then, and then I'm mad. And I'm like, look, I know it's not your fault. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be angry with you, but you have to understand my situation. I haven't had television for a month. I haven't had reception here for a month. I had to wait to call you. I go, now I need a cord and, and I need you to fix the dish. And the guy was here. He was here. Why would he cancel? Why would he leave? I don't know. I'm not seeing why, Mr. Mike, but I can get someone there August 7th. Fuck that, dude. No, I can't August 7th. This is ridiculous. A guy was here. I, this makes no sense. I've been a customer for 20 years. How can you do this? But I will go ahead and put you on a silent hold and see what I can do. Uh, fine, fine, fine. He comes back and finally he's like, oh, Mr. Mike, I have an opening today. Will you be there today? And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Yes, I will absolutely be there today. That works perfectly. Uh, and he's like, okay, between noon and four o'clock. I go, all right, well, it's, it's noon in like 45 minutes. He goes, that's fine. Between 12 o'clock and four o'clock in this afternoon, he will be there. And I go, okay. And he will have a ladder. He knows what he has to do. He's got to fix my dish. He's got to bring a cord. Yes, Mr. Mike, we are going to make sure. I go, well, I made sure the last time and the guy bailed. Oh, it's okay, Mr. Mike. We have it now. It is between 12 and the four. And I go, look, I took the day off work. I'm sitting here waiting. Uh, this doesn't make any sense. But yeah, if he gets here between 12 and 4, that's fine. But I mean, he, you know, because also it was imperative for me to get this done before the carpet got torn up 
because he could just tear the fucking carpet up. He wouldn't have to fuck with new carpet. I don't want this guy walking in and out with fucking work boots on my new carpet in a couple days. So this was ideal. It would get done and hooked up before the motherfuckers came in and put in the carpet on, on Thursday. So he's like, all right, Mr. Mikey's coming. We'll be there between 12 and 4. Fine, fine. Goodbye. Pat texts me. He's like, the guy show up. I'm like, nope. Uh, I'm in my house. I'm trying to get stuff done. And I, I was going to record yesterday, but then I'm like, well, what if this guy fucking shows up? Because I waited between 8 and 12, and then I thought I'd record in the afternoon. So now i got to wait between 12 and 4, and I have to drive yesterday night because, again, my money's a fucking issue at this point. So I'm like, all right, now i got to wait between 12 and 4, and then he's going to be here fixing the fucking thing. That's gonna take, they said it was going to take 90 minutes to fix. So I couldn't record yesterday afternoon. So I, I texted Max and he was nice enough. And he's like, all right, I understand, whatever. And so we got the artwork has sussed and, and which you see now, that's an amazing piece of artwork. And it's actually a preview of the new website, which gets launched very, very soon. Um, so he, uh, he says he'll be here between 12 and 4. So I'm at my house. And I'm throwing shit out and I'm sorting stuff and I'm boxing stuff and moving stuff around and, and trying to make a strategy. And look, I got to be honest with you. I got ADD, man. I, I, I wind up going through stuff and I wind up getting sucked into things. And and, uh, and that's not good when you're sort. I shouldn't be sorting anything. I should just be moving it. I should sort it later. But right now I, I, <laughs> I'm sorting papers. And I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, I'll actually, you know, I might put it up on the Joker's page or something. Well, first of all, I did this. I found a brown manila envelope and I'm like, what is this? And, uh. I open it up and it's um, <laughs> it's every uh, birthday card, every anniversary card, every Easter card, every I love you card, every note that was ever left for me on a countertop uh, from my ex-wife, from Karen. Uh, I would save all that stuff and I, I never even thought about it. It was just there. Uh, so, and again, my birthday was Sunday and so I was in a kind of a nostalgic thing anyway and I, I found that envelope. So I start reading that. And uh, same thing happens when I find, like, I saved all of those Jill things, too. I got all those. And you're just like, yeah. And you just get sucked into that hole. And then you start spiraling. And you go, well, I'm, you know. But then you start looking back. And you're like, well, I've had good times in my life. And it's just, it turns into this whole fucking walk down memory lane. And that'll distract me for an hour. I mean, because, again, I don't want to do the work anyway. But then when I wind up sending myself down a fucking rabbit hole, forget about it. It's just, it's just this. And, again, it's rebirth day and rebirth month. And so people are like, throw that out. And I'm like, why would I throw that out? That that's that is four pounds of proof that I was loved once. So uh, <laughs> so I, I I'm sorting, I'm cleaning, I'm doing yesterday afternoon, and you know I'm finding old newspapers. You know, you know here's what I found. This is totally true. I have all of the newspapers from 9/11. I have the Los Angeles Times, the USA Today. I have those from from 9/11. Well, actually from 9/12. If I had them from 9/11, that would not be <laughs> that would be pretty uneventful, probably. Uh, but I have them from 9-12, but I have those. And I also have, get this, I have the fucking San Francisco Chronicle from the 89 earthquake, the actual newspaper. Um, it's amazing. I, I just, I, so I started going, sorting through stuff, dude, I got, I, and then I found old bits, like all these old things. So I'm going through this paperwork and I, like I said, I'm finding cards from Karen and I'm finding all these things. Guess, dude, get this. I'm so happy. I keep meticulous records. <laughs> I'm going through an old planner. And it was from like 2003, I think. I don't know. It's over. I've got it over on the desk. Uh, there's a page and it, it says right on it, uh, received check from uh, Schwabaville and it has from Graveyardville and it's got the amount of money. And then it has buy new chair at Best Buy. And then here's an entry on that planner. Saved a woman's life at Tony Roma's. <laughs> I told you guys that story a million times, but it's actually in my planner. I made a note of it just so for proof. 
I guess in case nobody believed me, in my own handwriting, you can see it that in April of 2003, I believe it was, I saved a woman's life at Tony Romas. It's gorgeous. You know what else I found going through my old fucking boxes of bills and also, because that's another thing. I went to shred everything. I, I, I paid 30 bucks to shred like fucking 45 pounds of old records from the, from the early 2000s and stuff, all the old receipts and bills and everything. I, I took it to Box Brothers and shredded it because that's another thing Pat told me. He goes, because I have a shredder. I go, dude, this is going to take me forever. He goes, go to Box Brothers. It, it, it takes, you know, you bag it up and they fucking do it. It's, it's free to, to drive it over there. I mean, you got to pay, but he goes, it's, it frees up your time. So that cost me 30 bucks to shred like 45 pounds worth of stuff. Uh, but in going through that 45 pounds, like I said, I found that old planner because this is another thing I found. Dudes, I found the incident report from when I punched the fucking car- when I beat up the karaoke DJ at the club in Indiana. <laughs> I found the police report. I found the fucking uh, and I found get this. I'll put this up on the Joker's page. I found my handwritten statement or not handwritten, my hand typed. I had to type a statement of what exactly happened and it had to be signed by the owner of the club. So I, I, I found that. And so I'm going to save that. I might frame that motherfucker. That's hilarious. Uh, but it, and with the incident report from the cops. Beautiful. And I also have the note from the club that I received a few months before that going, hey, Mike, we would like you to hang out at karaoke with the club, with the comedians, uh, uh, you know, to generate stuff for the bar. And then you see like me writing, I punched the karaoke DJ and destroyed the equipment because or whatever the fuck. <laughs> it's like, see, you made me do this, you dick. So I go down a rabbit hole of finding that stuff and it's it's just dangerous. So... Yesterday afternoon, I'm sorting, I'm moving, I'm trying to box some stuff up, and then I get a, a fucking phone call, and I answer it, and it's a robocall from DirecTV. And it says, we have not forgotten about you. Your technician is on his way. And this is at 2.30 in the afternoon, okay? Your technician is on his way. He will be there shortly, before 4 o'clock p.m. But we have not forgotten about you. Thank you for your loyal customer service for DirecTV. Uh, so I hang up. And then I wait. And again, I can't record until he gets here. And he's gone. Four o'clock comes, no, no technician. Four forty comes, no technician. I called Directv, and now I'm fucking mad. And now I, I don't know if the, they knew or what happened, but the first guy who answered the phone was named Owen, and he was in Pennsylvania. He, I don't know how I got the wires crossed and got that dude, but maybe, the, maybe the Indians said, you know what, we're putting a block on this dude. We got, we got no interest in answering his calls anymore. No, 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 no. It's bad luck to talk to Mister Mike. So, uh, so they went ahead and, and transferred me to Pennsylvania, man. That's where I went. And, uh, I got Owen and he's like, God, ah, thank you for calling direct TV. What can I help you with? And I'm like, Owen, I apologize, but I'm about to rant at you and it's nothing to do with you. Please know this. I'm ready for it, sir. He's like the movie phone guy. And I just unload. And I'm like, I've waited and I've, and this and that, I give my name, my phone number. He looks it up and I'm like, yeah, they were here in the morning. Then they never showed up this afternoon. He goes, well, it shows that you canceled this morning. I didn't cancel it, Owen. I didn't fucking cancel it. He canceled. He drove away. He was here. I talked to him on the phone. Okay, sir. I understand. Okay, cool. Owen, it's not your fault. Please know this is not your fault. I get it. I understand that, but I'm very frustrated and it's showing here that you canceled this afternoon's appointment. Owen, fuck that. Sir, I understand. No, no, Owen, nobody showed up. How would I cancel an appointment when nobody showed up? After you read the notes of what happened this morning, why would I cancel this afternoon's appointment? What are you talking about? Well, it's saying here that apparently, I'm trying to decipher it, sir, but the technician canceled. Because again, the disconnect is the technicians don't work for DirecTV. They work for independent contractors in my area, and then they're sent out via a contract with DirecTV. And then they can do whatever the fuck they want. It's like cable guys. Cable guys don't work for the cable company. Comcast, they go, well, we don't know who Mark is. He's just a dude who works for a local company that took a class. So 
the second technician never even fucking showed up. He just marked it as canceled. And then Owen tells me what happened was they they were listing this as an install. So the guys were like, well, I don't have a satellite dish and a bunch of cords for this guy, so I can't do this repair or this install. So instead of a repair, it was marked as an install. And then he's just like, yeah, so, you know, that's why they canceled it because they didn't have the equipment. I go, how did they not call me? I go, the first guy even said, he said, do you have a ladder? I said, I don't have a fucking ladder. I go, the second guy never even called me. Call me. I'll tell you there's a dish on the roof. Call me. I'll tell you all you need is the cord. He goes, I understand that, sir. I'm really sorry. I know you're sorry, but dude, what do I do? I took a day off work. It's now almost five o'clock in the afternoon. Then I'm sure nobody's going to fucking come out tonight. Well, no, sir. I'm sorry. He goes, but I can get someone out there on August 7th. Oh my God. Oh, and you're fucking kidding me. No way. There's no way. I go, dude, I got to cancel. I have to cancel DirecTV. I go, I've been a customer for 20 fucking years and I'm canceling. I'm done. He goes, well, I understand that, sir. I go, I need to talk to a supervisor or somebody in customer retention. Somebody has to make this right, dude, or I'm walking. I understand, sir. I totally get it. I, I, I'm trying to do And I go, look, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you, Owen. I'm just, I'm just mad. I'm mad because I took a whole day off work. I sat here all day waiting. I didn't get anything done that I needed to get done. And now you're telling me I got to do it again later. What the fuck, man? I go, ever since AT&T bought your company, it's gone to hell. I don't know what side you work for, but it's gone to, to hell. He goes, sir, I understand. And I know you're frustrated and upset. I go, I am. And I'm sorry. I don't mean to vent on you, dude. He goes, well, I can get you a supervisor. I can put you on a hold or, you know, if you want to really cancel. I, go, I, I think I do. Unless somebody can make this right. Yeah, I think I do. I mean, I've been a customer for 20 years. If you guys got, if this is what I got to go through with you guys now, I, I, there's no point. I go, there's so many other companies out there that want me. I get stuff from Comcast and Spectrum and Dish and whoever the fuck, whoever, I, I don't know. He goes, all right, I, I will put you on a silent hold. I'll put you on a hold. And the next person you hear will be a supervisor and they can help you and so he puts me on hold. He says it would take, it says it would take two minutes. It took 18 minutes for me to get a supervisor. And then this person answers the phone and she was a woman and she was very nice. But again, she has a script. She's not able, cause I, and I'm spoiled because when that one dude gave me the genie and all that other equipment, that dude talked extemporaneously. He talked like I was talking to me. Oh man, I can't believe that happened. You'd have never had a, you'd never had a person come out. You've never had an equipment upgrade in 15 years. We got to take care of that, man. Let's go ahead and take a look at it. I mean, he didn't need a fucking script. But this woman, again, she started, she kept throwing in also the same thing with like, uh, and, uh, things of that nature. She kept saying, it was like talking to Stephen A. Smith and things of that nature. Well, when cancellations and things of that nature happen, well, then I understand that frustrations and things of that nature will crop up. And I'm like, dude, you got to stop, stop reading me an apology note and fix this. I don't, you know, and again, I was very nice to her, but then I started to get more frustrated. And then she made an offer. She's like, all right, well, sir, I'm sorry. And I go, look, I've been a customer for 20 years. I don't understand how you can't fix this, how you cannot make the time to make I said, I was the first person in my apartment building to get direct TV. I was, I was patient zero of dishes in this building. I asked, I, I wrote a letter to my fucking owner. They said it was okay. And then when I got it, six more people immediately got satellite dishes because nobody had the the temerity to ask. I said, but I moved here from Chicago. I wanted to watch the band. She's like, I, I, I realized then I'm giving her a fucking history lesson. She doesn't want to hear. She doesn't want to hear me vent. And I don't want to hear her, her apologies. I just want it fucking fixed. So she says, Hey, um, here's what I can offer you, sir. You know, I, I'm taking a look and I'm looking at your bill and I'm really sorry. And you know, but those, those were canceled and I, I don't know why you canceled them. I didn't cancel them. I did not cancel them. I'm telling you right now. And I don't want to give her name because she, let's put it this way. She had a very famous name that like, she, look, either it's a fake name or she, she's really named this, but I mean, so I don't want to, I don't want to out her, but, uh, cause I mean, like, like she had the name of a, <laughs> her name was Madonna. All right. We'll just, well, her name was Madonna. Like that, that, 
a one-word musician's name that you would recognize immediately. And I'm just like, all right, whatever. Whatever name you choose to be phony. Because you know why? Because they know that they're not going to be able to help anybody. They don't want to get fucking murdered. And nobody's going to be able to find Madonna wherever the fuck she lives. So, uh, Or they're going to find the real Madonna. I think she's packed it in. Packed it up, packed it in. Let me begin telling you all the frustrations I have with DirecTV. It's a fucking sin. So she, sure enough, she just starts going, well, I can do this. And maybe if it wouldn't have canceled this. And I go, listen to me. I haven't had TV for a month. I waited a week for a guy to come out and fix it. Two guys canceled on me. I've been here 20 years. I've been a customer. How do you not fix this? I go, when you were direct TV, you could fix it. But as AT&T, you keep making me jump through these hoops and I don't understand. I mean, I'm venting and I go, listen, and every time I'd vent, I go, look, I go, I know this isn't your fault. It's not your fault, Madonna. I get it. But at the same time, I'm sitting here in my house and nothing's getting done. And I'm just getting told basically that I'm wrong. She says, no, I understand. Of course, I understand your frustration. We'll take care of it. We'll get it fixed. And, uh, <laughs> so this is the offer. So and te- Pat texts me while this is going on. He's like, did they show up? And I go, nope. I go, I'm on hold. I'm still talking. And he's just like, oh my God, dude. So, uh, this was her offer. She says, all right, here's the thing. She goes, I'm, I'm seeing now that there is a technician available tomorrow. He's available August 1st and he would be there between eight in the morning and, and noon. Is that Okay. I said, absolutely. That's what I want. I go, but this is ridiculous. They canceled twice. Now I got to take another day off work tomorrow. And I mean, and she goes, well, we care about keeping you as a customer. So here's, here's our offer. She goes, I can give you a hundred dollar guarantee that he will be there tomorrow. I go, so what does that mean? She goes, well, it's a hundred dollar credit on your bill. And I guarantee you he'll be there tomorrow. I go, so if he doesn't show up, are you telling me I don't get the guarantee? She goes, no, no. If he doesn't show up, you definitely get the guarantee. I go, wait, he's not going to show up. <laughs> I baited the trap and she fell right in it. She goes, no, he's going to come in there. I'm guaranteeing you. This is what I'm offering you. I'm guaranteeing you he'll be there in the morning between eight and noon. I will give you a hundred dollar credit toward your July bill. And I will give you a $60 credit every month for the next 12 months. So I do the math and that's like, it's almost a thousand dollars worth of credit. And eh, not really, you know, it's seven, it's eight twenty. Uh, and I, t- I, I say, all right. So I go, let me, let me clarify this. You're telling me that the ga- the guy will come tomorrow and he will fix the TV. She goes, yes. And I go, you're giving me a hundred dollar guaranteed for service of July that I've lost. She says, yes. I go, and $60 off a month for the next 12 months. So a total of $720. She says, yes, but only in monthly increments. I go, great. I get that. I go, okay. Um, let me, uh, let me put you on hold. And she goes, okay. So I put her on hold and I texted Pat. And I, I said, I go, this is what they're offering. I got to take this, right? He goes, oh yeah, you got to take that. So I came back to her uh, two minutes later and I said, you know what? Uh, I guess I can do that. I said, yeah, I, I, I'll take that. I'll take the guarantee and then the credits and things. And she goes, okay, well, hold on. Let me go ahead and get the schedule. <laughs> Punching buttons and... <laughs> And about 30 seconds goes by. She goes, okay, we're going to make sure that you get those credits and I'll make sure your account is taken care of. And, uh, uh, oh, I, you know, I'm showing now, sir. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the appointment for tomorrow morning is gone. So, uh, so I can have someone there on August 7th and they want to go, whoa, 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 what? She goes, yes, I'm sorry. When you put me on hold, someone else booked that appointment. And they, I go, wait, don't this isn't my fault. She goes, sir, where am I saying it's your fault? I go, you just said if I hadn't put you on hold, then you would have been able to book this appointment. And she goes, well, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that while you put me on hold, the appointment was booked. I go, yeah, you're telling me it's my fault for putting you on hold. She goes, no, I'm just saying that that's what happened. You put me on hold and somebody took the appointment. I go, why didn't you just book me the appointment? And then if I would have come back and turned it down, then you could have turned it loose. Why didn't you secure that appointment when you know that I've had two people bail on me today 
and leave me in a lurch, you know I need somebody here tomorrow morning, and you were actually guaranteeing me $100 that they would come here in the morning. Well, sir, I don't understand why you're frustrated. I told you that, that but you put me on hold. I, no, 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 no. I didn't, don't make it like I put you on hold and this appointment split. You could have booked that fucking appointment the second you saw it, held it for me, and then turned it loose. Don't blame me. She goes, I'm not blaming you, sir. I go, you, but you are. You're telling me this is my fault for putting on hold. She goes, no, I'm telling you that once you put me on hold, that offer went away. I go, yes. So you're saying that because I, and, and I go, look, I'm not going to argue semantics. What are you telling me? She goes, well, I can give you all these credits, but I can't get anybody there until August 7th. I go, I'm not here August 7th. I'm in Seattle. I'm gone for a week for business. Well, that works out even better than we can definitely have somebody there on August 14th. And I go, no, 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 it doesn't work out even better. You're telling me that's another two weeks. I don't have television. Well, you'll be out of town for that second week. So you don't need to have, and I go, what do you mean? I don't need to have television. I need a fucking fixed television. Don't tell me I don't need to have the fucking TV fixed. Well, if they come the 14th, it'll be, and I go, no, no, listen to me. I can't do this. I can't. I, I think I got to cancel. I go, unless you can give me more credits, unless you can offer me something different, I got to cancel this. And she goes, okay, well, then you go ahead and cancel it the way you return your equipment. I go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Seriously? She goes, what? I go, you're just, I'm a customer of 20 years and you're just going to let me walk out the door. She goes, no, I've done everything I can, sir. I offered you everything that you needed and you don't, you don't want it. I go, no, no, you offered me things and then they came off the table. You said somebody would be here tomorrow morning. So you're not giving me what you offered. You changed the offer. Well, regardless, sir, you know, for whatever that's worth, the, uh, you did put me on hold and, uh, you know, uh, things of that nature. When you go away, things, things can get booked. I go, D- no, no, don't, don't, don't try to explain it. So there's nothing else you can offer me. She goes, no. And I go, so I'm just, I'm bailing. After 20 years, you're letting a 20 year customer walk. Yes, sir. So the way it is when you return your equipment, I go, fuck that. Send a guy. He can come get my equipment on the 14th. She goes, well, that's not the way we do it, sir. And I go, really? You're supposed to send technicians to do everything, right? And now I'm pissed. Now I'm just, I'm just being shitty and I know I'm being shitty. Uh, because now I think she wronged me. If, if DirecTV wronged me, that's one thing. But for her to let that fucking offer expire because I went on holding them to say I did it? What the fuck, man? So uh, sure, I just went, all right, look, I, I, I'm done. I go send a guy. He can pick it up. She goes, no, that's not the way we do it anymore. Uh, we used to send a box and you could box it all up. But now you need to take in the remote and your equipment and your access card. And you need to take it in. I go, no, I'm not taking anything anywhere. She goes, well, you do, sir. You'll have to pay for the equipment. And the equipment is $1,000. I go, no, no, it's not. I go, I, I go, and she goes, well, we'll just send you an email. And then you bring it into a FedEx. And they'll box it up for you. And, send, and then she just starts going through the legalese. Come in and we're not responsible. And then the ID card and then the access card and your account number. And she just reads a fucking prepared statement. There's no, I'm sorry. It's just cold as fuck. There's no, hey man, we're losing you. I'm sorry. I wish I could keep it. None of that. And that's what I want. Like I said, but I, like I said, when I wanted a music producer, I don't want Roy Thomas Baker telling me to send my equipment in. I want him to say, hey, good chance. I'm trying, good job. I'm trying to make that fucking note happen. Um, but she was just fucking, she just read the, read the fucking prepared statement. And I went, all right. And at the end of it, she goes, do you have any questions for me? And I go, uh, No. She goes, okay, well, your service won't turn off until midnight, so you'll have DirecTV until midnight. I go, no, I won't. I don't have DirecTV. I haven't had it since July, uh, July fucking 1st, remember? Well, I understand. I'm just telling you because it says here that you'll have it until midnight. I go, yeah, you're reading a prepared statement because you don't care. You don't care. Sir, I, I tried to uh, do what I could, and I go, well, is there anybody else I can speak to, a supervisor and retention? She goes, I am retention. I'm the loyalty and retention department. I go, great. I saw no loyalty, and you did not retain me. She goes, understood. So you can just go ahead and bring in your equipment. Any questions? Nope. All right, thank you for being part of the DirecTV family. And she hung up. So, you want to talk about rebirth, folks? Uh, My apartment's getting painted. I get a new carpet tomorrow. And now, I'm entering the brave new world of television streaming, I think. 
I don't know. Gio was like, he literally typed congratulations and a bunch of confetti exploded in my phone. Uh, and he's like, this is the best thing. You did the smartest thing ever. Oh my God, I'm so happy. We're going to get YouTube TV and you get HBO Go and you get Netflix. And I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't know. I go, I think I might have to get Comcast or Spectrum. And plus my AT&T is my internet company. They're probably going to bump that up because no, you got to change it. You got to get a different, faster one. You're going to be streaming on Twitch. And, and I'm like, I don't, I go, dude, this all just happened five minutes ago, man. You gotta, you gotta quit with the huzzah and carrying me around on your shoulder. I go, I'm an old man. I'm 51. I've had direct TV for 20 years. That's you've had cable. I'm not a, I'm not a cord cutter. I've thought about it. I just never was, but now almost involuntarily I am. And the best part about the entire thing is, uh, like I said, I thought about cord cutting. I never wanted to be a cord cutter. I thought about it, but I was like, well, you know, I still like direct TV, but I just, I'm old fashioned. I want a box. I want a TV. I want to hook up. Uh, I'm excited for this new world. I'm excited to delve into the world of streaming. Uh, but I never would have been a cord cutter if it wasn't for the fact that Pat Francis was a cord cutter. You guys can get me at Mike and Mike Schmidt You guys can be my friend at facebook.com slash the 40 year old boy. You can follow me at twitter.com slash the 40 year old boy. You can follow me at Instagram and Snapchat at Mike four Oh Y O B. That's who I am over there. Uh, Mike four zero Y O B Mike four Oh Y O B at Instagram and Snapchat, Snapchat. It's a lot of T's. Um, so follow me at all those places, please. There's a lot of stuff coming in year 11. That'll be put on those pages. Uh, Ryan Dirks is our web guy. Speaking of stuff that's coming in year 11, the new website will debut uh, within a week. Uh, I'm a little lagging behind on what I need to do. Max and uh, Ryan have done their job. I need to go ahead. But again, as I've mentioned, uh, a whirlwind has hit the house, a tornado. There's all sorts of things, folks. I wanted to launch the website today. uh, And perhaps if I can uh, bang stuff out tonight, perhaps I still will. But It'll launch in the next couple days, and I'll let you know. Perhaps I'll, you know, maybe I'll send out an email blast. I haven't that, done that in a while. Maybe I'll send out an emergency podcast. Who knows? Either way, you'll get the message. Perhaps an Amazon drone will come and drop it off on your uh, doorstep. Your, uh, your, I was going to say your porch. Yeah, I guess you have a porch, right? People still own houses in this world. Uh, so go check out Facebook.com slash Ryan Dirks. He's the guy who's done all the hard work on the web for me, and he's the best, and I appreciate him very much. Remember that Giovanni Giorgio Peluso is also our, our web dude, our Sherpa. Held my hand through all this DirecTV nonsense and getting me up to date on streaming and things, and uh, and he's the best. He built our YouTube channel, too. Go to the Mike Schmidt, uh, the 40-year-old boy YouTube channel. All of the archives for this show for the last 10 years are available, and then as uh, comedy stuff and all sorts of other fun streaming things are all chopped up. So go check them out. Subscribe to that channel, too, so YouTube thinks I'm a hitter. And plenty of other YouTube streams and Twitch streams and things like that coming. Once I get my living area settled and things. And I know I'm supposed to not care about that, but I do. Uh, but please go ahead and check those things out at the YouTube channel. And also check out Gio's uh, facebook.com slash Giovanni Giorgio Peluso, be his friend. And also his podcast. He's got the get it on the Geo podcast. And then he's got the uh, outdoors FAQ podcast. I think it's called. And, uh, and then you can find him uh, doing those things. <laughs> I guess you would do that. Uh, and then, of course, David Hernandez is our genius, our resident uh, maestro and uh, Da Vinci. He does all the cool-ass art and music for this show. You can find him at Facebook.com slash David Max Hernandez and be his friend there. Uh, or you can go ahead and get a custom piece done by him at ArtByDMH.com. That's right. If you like what you see on the new website when it comes up or you like what you see on all the artwork that you've done for the show or he's done for the show in the past, uh, if you want him to write a song for you, perhaps he'll do that. Who knows? you got to reach out and ask him a question. And the only way to do that is to contact him via ArtByDMH.com. That's A-R-T-B-Y-D-M-H dot com. Sir Basil Wilmington. 
Thank you for seeing us. My name is Mike. My partner Mex is off working on the love theme from Shit Brigade. I am pleased to meet you. In this scene, you are buried under Shit Mountain. It has just collapsed and you need your Shit Brigade to bring their Shit Brigade tools to extricate you from your shit coffin. So I'm covered in feces? Almost a mile's worth of feces. Am I alarmed? Of course, you were shocked. You told everyone Shit Mountain would stand forever and now you need your Shit Brigade more than ever. I have prepared. I am ready. Anytime. Great Scott! No longer is around the corner where fudge is made. Tis time to call the Shit Brigade. Good Lord, that was amazing. I have more. Really? Yes. Darling Penelope, we are covered in colon butter. I loved it. I mean, that's terrific stuff. Thank you, Sir Basil. You, what, you have more? Yes, indeed. Are you ready? Please. By the Queen's Corsage, it is a fudge dragon. Mud monkey, chocolate grumpy, ass cracker doby, a sphincter mouse, gangster dump, Buckingham shitlog, shitskrieg, a limey loaf, pinched one Churchill, a double decker is rolling through shitadilly circus. Thank oh you. God. Thank sir, you. Sir, sir, Basil Wil- sir Basil Wilmington, you are our Captain Isaac Scat. Folks, we have sponsors of this show, or a sponsor, the lovely and talented Fearful Jesuit, who does the Paranoid Strain podcast, which is available now in iTunes. You can check it out. If you haven't listened yet, you should. It's fantastic. It is. Uh, I am halfway through it. He's going to murder me uh, because he texted me from... He's actually overseas, and he texted me. He's like, did you listen to the show yet? And I mean, I'm... Uh, I'm, I'm just an ADD motherfucker. I mean, I wind up doing shit and I get distracted and I wind up uh, doing other things. So I, I've, I've, uh, it, the show's about nine 11 and then the, the following show is also going to be regarding it, but you need to listen to this show. It is available now in the iTunes store. Please go ahead and check it out and uh, listen to it. And do me a favor, write a review in the iTunes store. Mention us. Say you found the show because of us and you loved it and you love him. Uh, Want to write Fearful Jesuit a note? Do that because you might wind up on the air on his show. He likes having other voices involved and people like that reading emails and things. So please go ahead and get him uh, a note telling him that you discovered the show from us. Because again, like I said, he's uh, he's angry at me right now probably because I have not listened to the full show just yet. But, uh, but it is fantastic work. Again, I'm daunted when I hear it. I, I almost... I'm almost ashamed. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's just so well-produced and so well-written and something that he's put a lot of work in and he just does amazing things with the medium. And I think you should be listening right now to The Paranoid Strain. Please go ahead and check it out. It's our, our good friend, Fearful Jesuit. He's over in, uh, well, I don't want to say where he is because they're always looking for him. You know what? Around every corner, on every bush, that uh, those fucking uh, albinos from the, the Da Vinci Code are trying to fucking catch him. And he's on the run. He's always one step ahead of him. They're flapping above him in the breeze with their angel wings, and he's going, nah, fuck that, I'm getting to the bottom of everything, because that's what Fearful Jesuit does. Throws out his Inspector Gadget fucking jacket and carries his magnifying glass and looks for clues. He's always looking for clues, like Robert Palmer in a video from the 80s. Have I used that reference before? I think I have. He's always out looking for clues. So go listen to Paranoid Strain, because Fearful Jesuit works his fucking ass off at it, and, uh, and I want to be able to go to his uh, compound again and record once, and, uh, and unless you listen, he won't let me. So please... Go listen to Paranoid Stream because it's fantastic. It's well written. It's well done. Like I said, an amazing use of this uh, medium. I guess if I have to use the word again because I couldn't think of another word at the moment. Uh, but please check it out. It's fantastic. He sponsors the show and we love him and he's the best. So please check out Paranoid Strain in the iTunes store and uh, and tell Fearful how you feel about it because he wants to hear. And it, it, like I said, it lets him know that he's, we're listening, you're listening, and everybody's happy. Uh, we have a website, if I mentioned. Uh, you can go check out the website. 
you can go in and look at it now. It's MikeSchmidtComedy.com. Yeah, the new one's not up yet. It'll be up in a couple of days. But, uh, you know, we have the Joe Business page on there, and you can go ahead and check it out there and get the Amazon link rolling. Click on the Amazon link and go ahead and make some money for the show. We get money. They get money. You get stuff. It works out perfectly. So please use our Amazon link on our Joe Business page, which, as I've mentioned, it's all going to be different in a couple of days. So go there now. Be uh, Right now, go see what's the old page and go ahead and use it, but there still will be a link in the new page. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm angry at myself that it's not done. I, you know me, I like to have things done in an orderly fashion and, uh, and it's not because, uh, creatively, whatever long, you don't need to fucking hear it, but it's just, again, all of this really hit me quick. The, the streaming, the website, the fucking, you know, we had a plan for like two months, Mex and I, and then I just sat down, I'm trying to make it work. And then driving a ton and being out of town and try, and then the, the IRS showed up and, oh, always excuses. Year 11, there will be no excuses folks though. We work hard. We play hard. Like, apparently I'm doing a Ford commercial this year. <laughs> They're a sponsor of the show. Check them out. Um, but that's what I want year 11 to be. Again, we can only move forward. We can only be sharks. And, uh, and you know, we've got the little uh, attaboy, uh, little Schmitty's attaboy fit brigade is on Facebook. You can join that. And we're all lifting. We're all losing weight. Where's, where's Mike now in rebirth month? Well, August 1st is today. I stepped on a scale and, uh, I came in again at 354. So I have not lost any weight since I got home from Cincinnati, but I have not put any weight on, which is good. Cause I've been putting weight on, but I've been lifting. I'm consistently lifting. I just haven't done the cardio and I had goals to cook and I have not cooked because my kitchen right now is filled with boxes and stuff. Um, but once my apartment gets settled, I feel that I can settle into my life in a better way and I'm excited for it. So please, uh, don't doubt me root and, uh, and join us. Go to little, uh, Schmitty's Attaboy Fit Brigade on Facebook and, uh, and, and join us and lift and get in these Fitbit challenges and cook and let's all get together and be, uh, let's all get slim because the fucking, like I said, the coming water wars are going to be here and we're going to need fucking legs and muscles to outrun everybody and fight everybody off. I, you know, I just want everybody to go ahead and team up. How did this go from me telling you to go to Amazon and buy shit to all of us murdering zombies? I don't know. Uh, however, that's, that's the nature of the show. So please go to MikeSpeakComedy.com, go to the Joe Business page, click on the Amazon link. We get money, they get money, you get stuff. That would be perfect. And like I said, if you're on Facebook.com, go ahead and join the Little Schmitty's Attaboy Fit Brigade. Uh, like our friend Scott and, uh, and Spencer and uh, Jamilton and uh, our friend Adri- uh, uh, Adriana DeRuz has been doing uh, all sorts of cool ass things and jumping in and everybody's doing it. That's, that's the, everybody's doing it, folks. All the cool kids are doing it. That's what they're doing. Uh, so please get everybody on board with the uh, Lil Schmitty's Attaboy Fit Brigade and let's all get into shape. Let's make this the year we get into shape. Let's make this the year that we're all happy and fun and friendly and, and everything's great. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, I know I'd think it was great. So uh, let me tell you this, folks. If you want to go ahead and check out the Patreon page, we've got that as well. And I want to welcome some new Patreon people that I don't know if I've uh, welcomed or not. Our friend, I think I mentioned Timothy Quill. He's involved. He's the best and he's on board and we appreciate that very much. Our friend Brad Weddle has stepped up and become a pledger. Our friend Mike Hazen is now a person who's involved with the Patreon page. Our friend Ryan Wachter has stepped up and gone ahead and joined, and we make him very, and that makes us very happy. Very, very happy, folks. And then, of course, the lovely and talented Tommy Packner has gone ahead and pledged, and that's great. Thank you, Tommy. Tommy and Ryan and Mike and Brad and uh, and Timothy, you guys all came on board. And uh, also, people left as well. I, I won't say them, but thank you to anybody who donated for as long as they did. I appreciate you staying and hanging in and doing what you did and supporting the show as long as you have. We lose people all the time. We gain people uh, as much as we can. And uh, the Patreon page is very important to this show, folks, especially in year 11 going forward. Um, it would be great because gonna, with the streaming and all the stuff that's coming up, it would be really cool if you jumped on board, and I'd appreciate it very much. Uh, and Patreon will be very active going forward in year 11. Uh, there's a plan. It's all going to be implemented, folks. As soon as my apartment gets ready, as soon as I get a couch into the 
the game room. Oh, you'll know things are going to be fine. Uh, but thank you again to Tom and Ryan and Mike and Brad. And uh, I mentioned Timothy earlier. Thank you guys for jumping up and joining the Patreon page. And you're the best. And thank you so much. We appreciate it very much. So go to Patreon.com, find Mike Schmidt, and become a Patreon, a patron or a Patreon of this uh, show. That's also like joining Little Schmitty's Attaboy Fit Brigade. You can give your muscles there. You can give your money there. Muscles and money. That's what it's all about. That's what the future is going to be about in year 11. Muscles and money, for fuck's sake. Uh, I mentioned that oh, I'm going to be in Seattle. Remember, those tickets are on sale for Thursday the 9th and uh, next week, and then Saturday the 11th. Thursday's a political show. Uh, all topical humor from the political vigilante Graham Elwood and then me doing whatever I'm going to do. I'm trying to figure it out yet. And then, of course, Saturday is uh, comedy and storytelling. If you've got a story you think you want me to tell, go ahead and reach out and maybe I'll incorporate that in. Uh, but also, I'm trying to work towards other things. So uh, it, it's going to be a great show. Both tickets are on sale for Friday. I'm sorry, for Thursday, 8-9 and Saturday, 8-11. Uh, a month before, you know, never forget, never forget the date 11, <laughs> uh, the date 11, eight 11, remember, never forget who cares. Fucking buy tickets for Seattle and go ahead and join me there. And also I'm going to be in Toronto. I don't have an official date. I know I'm there the week of, uh, oh wait, let's pull up the calendar here so I can actually see exactly what it is. Hold on, hold tight folks. I'm there. I'm going to be there the week, the 17th through the 22nd, and I'm doing a show sometime while I'm there. Uh, and it might be an informal show, might be kind of an informal gathering somewhere where I hang out and I just tell stories. I don't know. We're, we're, we're still working on the, the vibe of it, but it's going to be happening in Toronto the 17th through the 22nd. So if you're around in Canada, you can make it up there. If you're in Buffalo, wherever the hell you are, I'll be in town. I'll be hanging out too, doing cool stuff, going to a Jays game, uh, possibly going to Toronto strip clubs. Who knows what's happening folks, but there might be an outing being organized by our friends, Ken and John and Rick and Tanya and Mike and all the Canadian people who are on board with this. Uh, and I'm excited for that. So I'm going to be in Toronto for a week hanging out. And I'm, I'm really, really happy. And I'll do a show while I'm there, too. Like I said, it might be an informal show. It'll be a show nonetheless. And then we'll be just hanging out all week and having fun. So that's coming up in Toronto, the 17th through the 22nd. Remember Seattle next week. And remember the new website is coming. And remember to use the Amazon link. We get money. They get money. You get stuff. And, uh, and I told you my birthday was last Sunday. I turned 51. I'm uh, 51, but my daddy still calls me baby. And all the folks around town, they say I'm crazy. Anything, any, any number that ends in one, I'm going to do the Delta Dawn riff on you. It's just going to happen. Um, my birthday started auspiciously. I drove a ton Saturday and Friday because I did not want to work on my birthday. But I came up short, so I still needed to do seven rides for a bonus on Sunday. But Saturday night I was driving. I picked up a couple from Minnesota. And they were in the bag. I did to drive them from Venice to Hollywood. And uh, they seemed nice, but they were loaded and they were fighting over keys and they were so drunk. And I said, uh, and whenever I pick up a drunk person, I go, hey, uh, how incapacitated are you? They go, no, we're fine. We just had a little drink. And I go, all right, well, you're not going to throw up. Nobody's, oh, no, we're not even close to that. We're totally fine. I go, okay, great. And I'm driving and then I, sure enough, I just hear the guy go, and I knew, I fucking knew. I go, you all right? And I need to pull over. And he goes, no, I'm fine. I'm just coughing. I got, you know, I got something in my throat. Uh, and then I pulled over and I dropped him off in Hollywood and I went in the back seat and I saw what was in his throat. It was all over my fucking seat. Guy threw up in my car on my birthday. Hi, how you doing? That's what happens when you don't work hard enough in your life. You get somebody thrown up in your fucking car on your birthday. So I had to go and fucking, uh, you know, I had to bleach the fuck out of my seat and steam clean it. Like we're not steam clean. I had to go to a car wash and, uh, and clean out the back seat. And then I still had to drive because I had to hit this bonus. So I drove, uh, as late as I could on, on Saturday night, uh, after cleaning out the fucking car, dude. Don't spend your 51st birthday cleaning up puke, yours or anybody else's. That's what I'm going to tell you to do. And then Sunday, I went ahead and uh, I had to drive a few short rides. And I texted, I had a plan. I knew I was going to have dinner. There was a place called the Bellwether by my house. I wanted to have a nice dinner. And I was thinking about going to Bodmash or, uh, or John and Vinny's restaurants. I've wanted to try it. I'm like, well, it's because I was alone, man. I was alone on my birthday on Sunday. I had to do some rides and then I was starving. And then I'm like, you know what? I want to get sushi. 
So as I was out, my mom texted me and she's like, happy birthday, son. And I said, uh, and she said, she loved me. And I said, great. And she goes, what are your plans? I said, I think I'm gonna have sushi for lunch. And, uh, and my mom, I mean, I love her. She's the best, but she, she literally, it's my birthday. All right. I'm going out for my birthday lunch and I'm, I'm going to have fucking sushi. So I said, Hey, yeah, mom, I'm going to have sushi. Uh, you know, it's going to be great. And she just wrote, this is what she writes. A guy here in Florida ate some oysters, got a parasite and died. They wouldn't tell which restaurant it is. When you eat sushi, they have a guy who inspects the raw fish. I heard they're supposed to have someone do that at all sushi places. Be careful. Uh, because my mom apparently didn't trust the fish. And look, I eat sushi all the fucking time. So I read her, I go, Mom, they inspect all the fish, I promise. I'll be careful, I swear. And she just wrote, okay. And then I sent her an emoji of sushis. And then she sent me an emoji of the guy vomiting, a skull and crossbones, and another green face. And then a face of a woman face palming with a thumbs down, and then a blowfish, a bento box, and a doctor my mom sent me. She was really driving home the point that I should not eat sushi for my birthday. I'm like, Ma, come on, dude. But I was laughing. So I, was, I decided I was going to go to Katsuya at 5.30, which is my, my place. I, I rarely go, but I was like, I'll go. But then I was out driving, and I finally hit the bonus, and it was in the afternoon, and I'm like, you know what? I'm starving, and I'm going to eat dinner tonight around 9 o'clock anyway, 8.30. It was 4.30, and there's a sushi joint a block up from Katsuya, and it's called Hasuka, I believe. It used to be called Midori, and it was all you can eat. But now it's Hasuka, and it has the same menu as Midori, but they do half-price sushi. So like if you buy, you know, if you get a, if you get a couple of pieces of salmon, it's usually six bucks. Well, it's three and rolls are half price. Usually if they're 12 bucks, they're six, you know, that kind of thing or 14, they're seven. So I know it's only if you eat in there. So I'm like, well, I'll go there. I'll pound down like a quick sushi lunch and then I'll eat dinner later. It's going to be great. So I walk into this joint and, uh, I'm not kidding you. I go to use the bathroom. There's a sign on the wall and it just says warning. This facility offers raw oyster. Eating these oysters may cause severe illness and even death in persons who have liver disease or cancer or chronic illness that weakens the immune system. <laughs> so I see this on the wall, and I've never seen this on the wall before. This is any sushi I've ever, ever been to. The risk is assumed. When you eat raw fish, you know what you're getting into. But a fucking sign like that, I'm like, what the hell? So I take the picture, and I send it to my mom, and I'm like, not kidding, mom. I came for sushi lunch, and this is on the wall. They knew. And she literally, don't eat the oysters with four exclamation points. So I laughed. I'm like, what the hell? So I go and sit down with the chef and uh, I fired away. I ordered a roll. I start with a roll real quick, like a salmon skin hand roll. Because I will tell you this. It's not katsu, yeah, so it's not fancy fish. So what it is, is it's just, you just, I, it's sushi candy, I call it. So I get a, there was a tuna roll with avocado and salmon on it and, you know, crunchy onions and eel sauce. It's just like candy. So I wolf that down and then I go, all right, now I'm going to eat sushi. So I ordered six orders of sushi. I got some halibut. I got some albacore. I got some albacore belly. I got some salmon. I got some uh, uh, magro, and then I got, I said, you know what, and I'll get salmon belly. So that's 12 pieces of sushi. So they bring it, and I like fish, man. I don't like, I don't like sauce. I don't like soy sauce or wasabi. I just like fish. So uh, they bring it to me, and I eat the, you know, I'm wolfing it down. I'm eating, I'm, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and I figure I'll figure that. I'm like, should I get another roll? I'm looking at the menu. And then the last thing I come to is the salmon belly, which I told you is the last thing I ordered. And, uh, and it's two pieces of salmon belly, you know, uh, two pieces of sushi on rice. And then they give you a side of the salmon belly meat, you know, cause it's, it's a little extra. So I put the first piece of salmon belly in my mouth and I knew, I knew sushi should not be tangy. Sushi should not taste like fish. Sushi tastes like the ocean. It has, it has a very distinct flavor, and they, they put wasabi on it or soy sauce. You know, they do things to it to give it a flavor, but you should never taste fish when you're eating sushi. 
and especially not tangy, like almost like sour. I, I fucking knew, dudes. I knew. And I'm chewing it and I'm eating it and I'm just like, wait, oh man, I go, this is, yeah, this is wrong. This is probably wrong. I go, but maybe it's just me. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's because I don't eat a lot of salmon belly. I'll tell you that. I usually eat albacore belly. Uh, I have them hit it with the torch or something or you'll get, uh, you know, toro, which is tuna belly. But salmon belly, it was just kind of an afterthought. I was like, well, I've never seen this really. So I'll get this. So I ate that piece and I swallowed it and then I'm looking and I, so I get another piece and of course, uh, well, look, folks, I'm, I'm paying half price for this. I'm not going to let that go to waste. So I, I shoved that piece into my face. Same thing. Tastes tangy, almost like a, like a weird sour creamy tang type of taste. And then I eat, of course, the little pile of salmon belly. It's not even on rice. I put that in my mouth and I chew it up and uh, I'm looking to think about whether I'm going to get another roll. And I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm not fucking kidding you. Five minutes. It took five minutes. I'm sitting there, I'm looking at the menu, I'm reading it, and I could feel it gurgling, and I knew it was sitting there weird. And then in five minutes, I started to feel it. And it's that thing where, uh, I will describe this, and I apologize. Um, your mouth just starts to fill with spit. Like, it, your mouth becomes warm, and it starts to, to water. Your mouth intensely waters, and you know you're sick. You know you're going to throw up. So I got up from the fucking t- the, the sushi bar, and I walk over, and they're like, goodbye. And I go, no, I'll be back. And I, I hit the head. I hit the restroom, and I, I just barely got in there. And I closed the door, locked it, turned around, and I just I threw up everything. Everything came flying out of me within five fucking minutes. Uh, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sweating, and my hair is all fucked up. And uh, I'm, like, leaning over the toilet like a weirdo. And... Uh, and in my head, I'm just thinking I had to run past that oyster sign to get into the bathroom. And all I could think of was my mom, my mom telling me, jinxing me, jinxing me, God damn it. Because I've been to sushi a million times, never had this problem. And I'm just throwing it all up. And it, and it came up quick. I mean, it was all gone. I was empty. I walked out. I threw water in my face, you know, slicked my hair back. I walked out. And uh, I go up to the counter and I go, hey, I'm, I need a check. And she goes, okay. And I bring it up to pay, and I looked at the waitress, and I go, hey, uh, I got to warn you, man. That salmon belly is off. She goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, the salmon belly, I just ate it, and uh, it's bad. You, you can't sell the salmon belly anymore. She goes, are you sure? And I go, I just threw up in your bathroom. She goes, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? I said, I'm okay. She goes, okay, well, I will take it off your bill. And I said, well, look, I'm not doing this to be a squeaky wheel. I'm not trying to be, you know, because, again, I ate like 30 bucks worth of sushi, and I and then I I throw up. I mean, but I did throw up. That's the thing. It's the weirdest thing. I I did get sick. I did throw up. But then I felt like I was trying to get over. So I look. I, I go look. I'm not trying to get over on you guys. I'm serious. I just. But that salmon belly is bad. And I literally just throw up. She goes, "Is there a mess?" And I go, "No. I, I got in there in time." She goes, "Okay. Well, I'll take it off your bill." And she she takes the salmon belly off my bill. And I'm even like, "Well, I mean, that's nice of you. Thank you. But I, you know, I'm, I promise I'm not trying to get over. I'm like apologizing for throwing up in their fucking house. They served me bad fish." They served me a fish with an attitude who fucked me up on my goddamn birthday. And I'm apologizing for it. And now there's no way I'm going to be able to eat dinner later because I'm fucking, I'm immediately cramping up. Your whole stomach shuts and you're fucking sweating. It, but it just, your system just slams shut when you get food poisoning. So, uh, so sure enough, I, they took it off. So I've still paid $36 with tip for, for my, for, to throw up in their restaurant. And, uh, and look, I, in my mind, I went. You, you take a risk. Like I said to my mom, you take a risk when you eat life, you, you eat raw fish. You just do. In my brain, I know you always do. I don't need a sign on the wall to tell me. But also at the same time, I don't want to fucking throw up. But I did. So they should take the whole bill off and I should complain. But at the same time, I felt guilty for you making, like if it had been the first thing I ate, then it's different. I walk out and then it's fine. But I mean, I'd already eaten like $30 for the food. So I felt like a jerk. But then why should I feel like a jerk? They're the ones who made me throw up ridiculous but all i could think of was my mom my mom said to me find nine emojis of a throwing up guy and sushi and i'm like you jinxed me you fucking jinxed me 
So now, not only does a guy throw up in my car on Saturday night, but then I throw up on Sunday, and then I come home. And there's a reason I haven't met, answered anybody on social media, because Sunday I came home, I just laid on the couch. Like, I couldn't even fucking move. I was empty, but I was still cramping, and my stomach was all fucked up, and I was sweating, and it was just, it was not a way to spend your 51st birthday, dudes. It was not a way to start year 11. Like, re-birthday, I, I, I had a guy throw up in my car on, on my birthday morning, and then I threw up my birthday night. I just, I hope that's not what year 11 is going to bring. I hope it's not just a fuck ton of me throwing up all goddamn year. Now, look, eating is for the week and I want to lose weight. I'm going to try to go ahead and not backslide into throwing up all the time. But if I do throw up, I probably I'm hoping let's put it this way. That's what I hope for year 11. I hope less stories with vomit in them. Would that be something we could all agree on? Would it be okay if I told you guys that I wasn't going to talk about vomit very much in year 11? Because I don't know. Maybe you guys come around for the vomit stories because I've got them. Hey, I've got them on deck. I've got them locked and loaded, whether it's somebody else or me. There's always going to be some sort of fountain of food flying out of somebody's face on this goddamn show. That's a lot of F's fountain of food flying out of somebody's face. <laughs> How about, you know what? I could have gone fountain of food flying out of a few faces. Let's throw another F in there for fuck's sake. Ah, for fuck's sake. Flying food flying out of a fucking few farland farland fuck fire fucking food Come to a throne if you're not gonna suck a dick. Hey, hey.